Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. Uh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Movement Boxing Podcast. Uh, you know, uh, our 13th episode. Welcome. Uh, we were coming off a couple weeks of explosive boxing action, so we definitely got a lot of good topics again for you today, as usual. A lot of controversial topics that we're going to get into. Um, so feel free to call in and comment. You know, uh, with us on the chat or even, you know, over the phone live. So either or uh, 724-444-7444. Uh, call code is, uh, what, 142097. So call in. Um, once again, I got my co-host on as usual, general panel. Uh, we got Big Cool of Colossal Boxing Talk. Welcome back. You know, how's it going, man? How you doing, man? Going good, man. Happy to be back with the fellows, man. So, good. All right, that's what's up. Uh, we got Bo and Bernard of the Truth and Facts About Boston Talk. How y'all doing today, fellas, man? Was really good. Shout out to Angel Garcia with the fuckery today. Was really good. <laughs> he out there with that chopper. He's sending messages to Thurman. He's Thurman. Hey, I got to start off with the fuckery today, man. A.K.A. Mr. Fuckery, the Fuckery. So, Angel Garcia right now is bringing that fuckery to y'all, man. Well, other than that, I'm doing good. What's up, Bo? I guess Bo's doing good, too. He's eating right now. He's eating. All right. And we got, uh, you know, TK the God, of course, of the guys of Boston Talk, man. What's going on, man? What's good, fellas? What's good, man? Chilling, man. Whole lot of shit to talk about this this day. Whole lot. Definitely, man. Uh, so let's go ahead and get it kicked off. I don't know where the hell Bo is. Um, Bo, get your ball headed on us on, man. Let's get it kicked off, man. Uh, We're going to start off, man, uh, reviewing these fights. Uh, you know, we, we kicked it a week uh, a little bit later because of, you know, the holidays. So, you know, we got some time to go over both. Uh, we're going to start off with the Andre Ward card. Uh, man, there's so much going on on that card. Let's go ahead and start off with uh, Clarissa Shields, man. She made her debut successful in her, uh, you know, with a successful victory against her opponent in her debut uh, against the opponent she had fought in the amateurs, of course. Um, what did you guys make of her fight, and basically what do you think as far as her potential, you know, uh, in the future? Um, let me go and start it off with a uh, big cool on this one. I mean, it was explosive like I thought it was. She came out guns blazing and looking to make a point. She did get tagged um, some early, but she composed herself as the fight went on, and I expect her to 
to be just as successful as she was in the amateurs as a pro and win multiple titles. I mean, she electrifying when she's 21, seemed to be uh, 100% dedicated and, and really wants to, you know, make a mark for not only herself but women, women's boxing in general. So I expect her to get better from here on out and continue uh, to um, provide exciting fights and really, you know, make that impact in women's boxing to get, you know, to gravitate uh, more people towards it and give it a chance. So I think she did uh, great for her um, pro debut. Okay, uh, let me pass it to Bernard on this one, uh, man. First half of the the Treat the Facts About Boxing Talk. Uh, you know, we had her foe, her amateur foe, Francine Choose, uh, Cruz for her first fight, which is, you know, it's pretty cool. She had a familiar foe um, that, you know, was coming to brilliant. So, you know, they didn't go light on her in her debut. That's what, something I actually liked about it. It was somebody that you know, actually was familiar with her and, you know, was going to come and bring it, you know. So I was happy about that. They didn't put her in there with no super stuff. Um, what did you think about her debut, Bernard? Man, I want to sit here. Um, you know, me and you was at the fight, and we saw we saw it. So I want to sit there. It was, it was a, a, a great debut. I'm going to be honest. Uh, I understand um, uh, Big Cool said that she got tagged. Yeah, she got tagged, but let's be honest, too, though. Her opponent came in there to make a statement too, as well, and try to bully her. But True. she stood her and she stood her ground. The first round, you know, she came and she came out hard. But you gotta look at it like this: when her opponent gassed out by the second or end of the second into the third round, Carissa kept her composure, like you said, kept her stamina, and it, it stuck it stuck to her game plan and won the fight. So, and then after that, the people gave her a standing ovation. As uh, uh, me and Twilight could tell you that they gave her a standing ovation after that fight. She did a yeah, excellent, uh, excellent. That was actually probably one of the highlight bouts of that card. Uh, yeah, it wasn't too well received. Uh, <laughs> live, <laughs> um, Clarissa was actually probably one of the highlight fights of that whole card. So I'll go ahead and give her props on that. I got to see her in her draws at the weigh-in. Uh, yeah. She 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 hot little chocolate thing with her, you know, got her little eye evil eyebrows and stuff going. But, you know, you Watch know, it, she posed you know she posed nude, right? She, I mean she ain't nude, but she got photos of being naked, but like the I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to check that out, man, and see if they got oh. she got some, some cheeks on her. Well we keep it. Yo, 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 we don't want nobody to see you. Let me go ahead and pass it over to uh, Let me go. Let me go. Let me go. Let me go ahead and pass it to two K on this one, man. Uh what did you think of her debut? Um, as far as what's her potential in that weight limit in, in the women's division? Uh, what do you see happening for? Because I know you're a lot more informed about women's boxing than, than a lot of us. So you might be able to break down how where she stands in uh in her actual division. Yeah, that 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 division is is very meek. It's it's worse than the one sixty pound division in, in uh men's boxing. So 
I mean, she she already on top as far as I'm concerned. The real division in women's boxing is the lower division, man. You know, like okay. uh, where Cecilia Brackett is at and lower. So that's where a lot of the competition is at. Um, but, I mean, French Rock Cruz was, hey, she was game as fuck. That was her debut, too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and she yeah. had. Yeah, she had Barry yeah. Hunter in her corner. Barry Hunter was, was she doing came, a good she job. She came to bring it, yeah. She she came yeah, to man. bring it, man. Uh, Clarissa looked really good. Um, but I also you know, Franchon Cruz looked good too, man. She caught Clarissa with some nice overhand right. I remember one in particular, um uh Clarissa uh overimposed herself and Franchon Cruz stepped back through that overhand right, caught her ass flush. You know what I'm saying? So she she's not a dumb fighter. Um but she went in there and, you know, tried to bully her because just basically showing her, like, hey, motherfucker, I know you from the amateurs. I know you, you know, better than any of these motherfuckers out here that are hyping you up. I'm not afraid right. of you. So she so she went out there and gave her the, you know, tried to give her the business anyway. But right. uh, after round after round two, you know, that shit was a clear <laughs> Clarissa Shield. Right, she almost, her ass at that she point. almost got out of there. Yeah, in yeah. round four, yeah, she almost knocked her ass out. Absolutely, she yeah. she hurt yeah, her real skills, bad. The skills so, definitely uh, came on display later on. I guess she had some yeah. some minor nerves starting out, you know, pro debut, but she definitely was in the full form come come into the fight. And yeah, she had yeah. me pretty hype. And you know, Bernard brought some new fans to the sport. You know, what I'm saying to the fight, and so, you know, <laughs> they they had a good time when they hey. loved her fight. So, you know, Clarissa hit, did her thing. Yeah, Clarissa did her, her thing, some, man. She hit her ass with some nice right hooks. But I, I want to give a shout-out to Sky Sports, man, because them motherfuckers had to fight live, B. Like, HBO, they didn't air that <laughs> shit. Of course not. Sky Sports, man, them motherfuckers know they boxing. The British people know they boxing. They care yeah. about the sport way better than Americans do. That's why they were able to air this shit live. Shout out to Sky Sports, man. That's the only motherfucking shit I watch. Fuck HBO, man. Fuck all these American telecasts. I fuck with Sky Sports, man. Real talk. You know what? Big, up, up, on that, big up, up on that, 2K. Big up on that because I had no idea they, they had televised that fight. Um, you know, I was thinking it wasn't going to be televised. I know on the American telecard it wasn't televised. So, you know, I was one of the no, things wasn't. we were kind of – kind of upset about on our previous show when we had talked about uh, her debut. So uh, I'm glad Sky Sports went out of their way to do it. She's definitely worthy of the coverage. Um, I don't know why American coverage wouldn't do it, being that she's a two-time Olympian champion. Um, Pretty, pretty I think it's a shame when HBO's part for not airing that fight, especially considering the rest of the card. Um, yeah, that probably was a highlight fight at about for for uh, some of us. Um, yep. Let me go ahead and pass it on the ball-headed ass boat. Uh, what's going on with you, fella? Um, what did you make of Clarissa's debut? Um, and where do you see her going as a professional, man? Do you, do you do you see her having the same dominance that she did in the in the Olympics or in her amateur career? Yeah, it's possible she can have that same dominance. Um, you know, it was a shame that this fight wasn't uh, televised live. They missed an opportunity to. It was a good fight, like Two K said. It was on Sky Sports, and I, I was I was able to catch it on stream from them. So, but I mean, they always show all the undercards before the main events. So that's 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 nothing new. I mean, they know how to 
do it to give the fans a good fight. But yeah, it was a good fight. She came in. She uh she didn't fight like I thought she would. I thought she would fight more like she did in the Olympics, but she came in to I guess just probably, you know, show people that uh she, you know, trying not to be a boring fighter, show people that hey, you know, she can get in there, you know, and go at it and grind it and grit it out. The girl she fought was a um came to fight also and was a uh was a a main rivalry of Chris's of, of Clarissa Shields doing the amateur. So I give both of them props for taking a tough fight in their debut fight. You normally don't see stuff like that. And she came to fight. Now, she got caught with some punches that, you know, that was, I was just like, wow, you letting yourself get, you know, she got caught with some punches that we didn't see her get caught with in the amateurs. But, you know, it's, uh, it, it is a difference when you don't have, you know, it, 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 it just is a difference from amateur to pro. But she came, she's, you know, and she gave a good fight, and I give both of them props for that. But she had, she, you know, the potential of women boxing is there. But the problem is, are the promoters, the networks, and everybody else willing to give it the to put the money behind it to give it the push that it needs to go where it can go? That's going to be the big issue. And that's actually what I was expecting to see, um, especially with somebody with her brand. Um, I would expect Rock Nation to, sh- to showcase that, especially her debut. So it's still a surprise that it wasn't televised. It didn't get more press or coverage as far as her debut. But um, I want to say congrats to Clarissa on her, her professional debut, her victory, her debut victory. And, you know, the sky's the limit for her, man. Uh, we definitely wanted to spend a lot more time on her fight because she didn't get, you know, the television coverage in the States that, uh, you know, she definitely deserved. Um, We're going to move it on to, to some of the other undercards on the fight, uh, which was Full of controversy, man. We're going to go with Curtis Stevens, James De La Rosa, try and make it brief. Um, I'm going to kick it off with TK the God on this one, man. Um, how are we looking on this one? I know it, it was a pretty controversial decision uh, for yeah. Curtis Stevens in the victory, retaining his, uh, his regional belt. Uh, the yeah. cerebral, what would the cerebral assassin? Uh, yeah, he wasn't too methodical in his approach in this fight. Um, 2K, kick it off, man. What'd you see, man? Uh, he never really is. He's talking about Stevens. He's just a come forward, try to knock you out type of nigga. You don't, he's not technical in any way, shape, or form, nor does he ever use his brain. I mean, as we saw against Triple G, he was getting hit by the same shit until he got evidently knocked out. Um, so, but, uh, I want to shout out my man, AC Clark. That's uh, James De La Rosa's manager. He's been on my show a couple times as a guest. Um, De La Rosa did an excellent job after getting, I think he got knocked down, if I'm not mistaken, in like the second round. In that first, um, yeah, yeah, it's one of the early rounds. Yeah. First round. He did an excellent, first round. He did an excellent job getting up after that knockdown and, uh, outboxing Curtis Stevens, um, in the latter half of that fight. Um, I think I came in and wa- I started watching, I think, at round three or four. And Stevens was, you know, he was dictating the pace at that time. And then I saw this shit gradually change over to James De La Rosa. That fucking jab was ridiculous. Curtis Stevens has no fucking head movement. He only comes forward. I mean, he, he don't even keep his guard high enough to even catch the jab on his, on, his, on his gloves. I mean, all I saw was his head snapping back. And one particular thing that James De La Rosa did, he, uh, Stevens came forward. De La Rosa stepped back, popped that jab hit uh, Curtis Stevens, Stevenson's head went up, 
And then De La Rosa pointed up at the ceiling like, nigga, what the fuck you looking at? That shit was hot, fam. I think that was like yeah. around like seven or eight. Yeah, De La Rosa was over there clowning, man. I was yeah, over yeah. Bernard was over there having a good time laughing at De La Rosa clowning in there, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't expecting him to pull that showboat shit, man. <laughs> I mean, he, he was um, he was outboxing the shit at him. That's why he was doing it. And and I think, um, you know, while I think uh, the winner wasn't a robbery, I think the scorecards were fucking ridiculous. I mean, they were wide as hell. I mean, it was like yeah. one of one of them only had De La Rosa winning, like, two rounds or some shit like that. I mean, <laughs> that was complete bullshit. But I could see Stevens edging out maybe a point just because of the knockdown. But I had De La Rosa winning that fight. I felt he should have yeah, won that fight. Yeah, and I'm like, this is a night near in controversy on that card as far as scoring uh, is concerned. Oh, hell no. Uh, um, yeah, so we will go ahead and continue on, TK. Uh, I know you said you had De La Rosa up. Um, do yeah, you think just, the knockdown was the key the key in basically the decision? Because um, those were some wide scorecards outside of the knockdown. Um, right. Pretty, pretty I mean, bad it, on my... I mean, it was, it was a combination of the knockdown and then um, Curtis Stevens was dictating the pace early in the fight. I mean, it was only a 10-round bout. If it would have went 12 rounds and the fight would have kept going the way it was, then De La Rosa probably would have won by maybe two points on that card. Um, but the fact that it was a 10-round bout and Curtis Stevens pretty much controlled the pace with a knockdown uh, within the first five rounds, I could see him winning that fight, but I still had De La Rosa taking it. All right, we're going to pass it over to the big cool on this one. Uh, what were your thoughts on the, the uh, Curtis Stevens-James De La Rosa fight? We're going to try and keep this brief and go on to the next one. Same old Curtis Stevens, man. He got the physical. Uh, well, he got the power. I ain't gonna say he got the physical tools because he's shown time and time again in fights that he's been heavy uh, favorites. Toriano Johnson, um, also bought a Peter Quinn knockdown like six thousand times. Nick the uh, Hassan Endow. And yeah, Endow. And I mean, he just. I mean, I think he. <laughs> I think he should call. I ain't gonna say I, I never want to be one that guy to see somebody retire, but I mean, I don't, just, I don't see him ever reaching that level that he's aspiring to be. Um, he has a mental block whenever he's faced with adversity. You know, what I'm saying? Yep. And I just don't think he. Uh, I don't think he's cut out to be a boxer. You know, that's crazy that Sam he's been boxing for a long time, man. If you don't, Damn, if you don't nigga. I'm sorry, bro. I'm sorry. Man, I'm like, you know what's weird is he showed so much improvement in his first bout under John David Jackson against old boy from, uh, you know, the undefeated cat. You know, they have brought him in yeah. there pretty much to be the journeyman contender against old oh, boy, you I know, told, and lose. I told, I told my co-host Seth that was a fucking fluke. I told him, bro, because he said the same thing. I was like, nah, nigga, that's a fluke. I'm no, telling you, he, he looked really good in that fight. Like, it looked like a revamped Curtis Stevens. Like, we saw, okay, I can yeah. understand your cerebral assassin approach now because you came with it differently. I guess I had to be the prospect. Man. But, you know, man, uh, it, it was like a regression step against De La Rosa. De La Rosa was in there clowning his ass, man. And, yeah, I, I don't know. Steven, let me take that. I ain't going to say he's not cut out to be a fighter, but Steven can never really impress me with somebody, you know what I'm saying, and, uh, that is equally and, and skilled as him or, or maybe slightly skilled. He always overwhelms the guys that 
he should overwhelm. But I mean, he has a mental block. Whenever you can, you just tell on his face when the the going get tough, he kind of be like, damn. You know, he just yeah. open. You can he holding that power entrance, but. I mean, can, on, I mean, it wasn't no controversy. The, the can we say we saw some, some some flaws in John David Jackson over that weekend as well? Um, the, the adjustment, the the adjustment game was just not happening in, in both of his fights. So you know, what I'm saying a lot of that has got to be put on his his trainer or let him take it so easy. Out. You know, uh, John David Jackson was in there chewing his chewing his double man extra hard. You know, that, that's all I seen, seen him doing the whole night was chewing his supplement between that fight and uh and and uh Kovalev's. You know, that's all he was doing in the corner was chewing his goddamn yeah, gun. He had a lot of shit to say in that award fight. Like, either way, you know, yeah, that's, that's all he was doing was chewing his goddamn gum over there, man. He like probably up, oh, look at, he looked like he's over there smelling like Old Spice. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit! Oh, shit. Yeah. oh, oh, oh spice smelling like gold, spice and big red. Oh, pimp ass <laughs> nigga. Would you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, like shit! I got my ass. He didn't look comfortable in that corner, man. Put it like that. He was trying to. That that's and that's that's between both fights, man. It it wasn't a good look, good look for John David Jackson uh, on that night. But we gonna move it on to uh, Mighty Mo Hooker and his fight, man. Uh, another controversial decision in which he actually uh, came out with the victory. Maurice Hooker, uh, super lightweight contender. No, no, um, no, pretender, no, super lightweight pretender. Yeah, well, you know, based on based on uh, you know, pretty much he's what is he a NABF champion now himself right now, or the NABL uh, title with some like yeah. um, like the yeah, but you know he he went against a tough veteran in Darlis Perez. Perez has always been a game dude, uh, so we knew it wasn't going to be no punk stuff, even with Mighty Mo's, uh, you know. Impressive feats that we've seen before, as far as knockouts. You know, uh, I knew it wouldn't be an easy one. I thought I, I expected him to actually be able to do it, but he, he couldn't pull the trigger in a fight for some reason. Uh, let me go ahead and start it off with uh, Bo on this one, man. What did you make of Mighty Mo Hooker's fight? Um, did this do any damage to him coming up as a prospect right now, or his? Uh, I guess just this is his credibility right now in the sport as far as where he is in the rankings in that division. Um, what did you make Hell, of the fight between Mo Hooker and Darlis Perez? Hell yeah, it did damage to him. It, it it did damage to him. First of all, what do we always say? He's supposed to use your advantages. Well, he wasn't doing none of that. He wasn't using his height. He wasn't using his reach. He was allowing a guy with lesser talent to just outwork him, outthink him, outmaneuver him, outposition him. And and um, I think at one point he even got hurt in the fight. The, the guy even hurt him in the fight. But the, the, the worst thing about it is, and this is why people feel the way they feel, it was the worst fucking decision that I've ever seen in, in a yep. fight amongst prospects in a long time. I mean, that was straight bullshit. When people talk robbery, that's, that was a fucking robbery. They gave this yep. dude a draw to keep him undefeated and to keep him relevant because they got plans for him. And that's just the bottom line. There's no shape for him. Like, I'll be honest with you. For, as far as I'm concerned, as far as I'm concerned, after watching him in this fight, 
He he gonna have to do a lot of shit to redeem himself to me because all this talk about him being a contender, you you can you can't tell me you're a contender when you can't get a guy like like when a guy like this he got totally dominated as far as I'm concerned the majority part of this fucking round the dude yeah. out worked him out fucking maneuvered him out goddamn positioned him I mean he made Maurice Victor look like a goddamn amateur like he just walked yeah. in the gym. I Listen, I'm watching this fight. I'm watching his legs. He's not moving his feet. He's not moving. Legs. And I'm asking myself, damn, did the nigga fuck all night and, 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 and didn't rest or what? I mean, what the hell? Because that, that, I, I wasn't expecting that. But props out. But like I always say, sometimes the cherry pick don't know he's a cherry pick. And the dude he fought, he came. And he well, was, he came and not to lose he came to prove hey you just ain't gonna walk over me. Booker, my he wasn't good, man. See, see, if motherfuckers not 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 uh, talking shit about what you just said, but I agree one hundred percent what you said. But I just want to get it out there. A lot of motherfuckers that don't know boxing didn't know who Darley Perez was. Yeah, Perez, now, Perez I didn't, is Perez, a game. Perez, yeah, Perez is a game guy. I didn't know. Right, I right, I didn't know this fight was made. I had no idea Marie Tucker was on the card. I had no idea who he was fighting until I got to my destination where I watched the fucking fight at. And when I saw that, well, I think Perez the train, even took this thought, fight on his notice, but if on, I'm not fam. mistaken. Hold on, hold on, fam. When I got to the house, I told everybody in the crib. When that shit came up on the screen, I said, "Yo, this nigga might beat Marie Tucker." Now I'm in Dallas. So everybody mm-hmm. knows that Marie Tucker's from Dallas, so everybody in the house knew who Marie Tucker was. I was like, "Yo." This nigga might beat Maurice Hooker, fam. This dude is a fucking contender. He's not a journeyman. This is like yes. a Marco Antonio Paraben type nigga at 168. He could beat a lot of the top guys. Oh, nigga, no, nah, Maurice Nice, dog. Maurice Nice. What do we see? <laughs> that nigga oh, far man, from nice, man. man. That nigga far from nice. Yeah. Yeah. He, he talked yeah, talk a good, just, talk a good was... one at the way in. He, he wanted to dedicate it mm-hmm. to. To Aaron Pryor and get a knockout. Um, nothing in his arsenal on that night was uh, indicative. Of, uh, yeah, it was. It, nothing was indicative of, of Aaron Hawk. You know, what I'm saying nothing of the Hawk. You know, what I'm saying I didn't see any pressure. I didn't see him popping his jab out there, staying active. Like he could have made this fight a whole lot easier on himself just using his height and his uh, his intangibles as far as his reach. Um, he completely gave that up against Perez. You know, Perez. But he looked like Twan. He looked like he looked like he was looking to land one big shot. That's that's what yeah. he looked like he was looking to do. Uh, yeah, he looked like he was point. looking to land one big shot. That's it. Yeah, good just, point. Yeah. Very good point. And then uh, um, I don't know if it was Killam and that last thing they brought, they tried to compare to Thomas Hearn. I was like, man, shut that shit up. Like early in the fight, I guess if he's tall and, and rangy. I was like, yeah, man, this shit is horrible. Hey, then Bernard having a draw? <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 2K. I'm still standing by that draw, my dude. I'm still standing uh, by that draw. That's what's up. Hey, I'm standing by Explain my draw. Explain it. Fight, I called it a draw because I just, I called it a draw. I mean, I did try Explain to look at the window. Huh? Go ahead and explain why you, why you added a draw. I'm curious. No, I mean, I mean basically, um, let me pull the scorecard up real quick. I had Hooker coming off, starting off strong in the first two rounds. 
Correa's coming fast. Then it was two more rounds for Hooker. Then uh, it, w- it went back and forth. Then um, ended up being Perez getting the um, last two rounds, which ended up being a draw. I mean, people didn't yeah. like the decision. People didn't like the decision. And, yeah, they did feel that Perez should have won that fight. But there was a couple people that called it a draw as well, too. So I can see yeah. it going both ways. But I was trying to go catch the video when I came back home to watch that fight to end up taking it offline. So I wanted to um mm. it, but. I had to just stick with my draw, man. I'm going to stick with my draw. That's what's up. All right, so we we going to move it on to the to the motherfucking uh, main event, the controversy. The, the controversy, um, you know, we had the unanimous, unanimous decision, 114-113 across the board. Uh, Andre Ward defeating uh, Sergey Kovalev to become the new kingpin at uh, 175 uh, mm-hmm. outside of the so-called, uh, what do they call him, the lineal champ? He's still the lineal champ, Technically, oh, Adonis. Fuck yeah. But, you know, whatever, yeah, whatever. You know, with hey, man. Adonis. Hey, man. Hey, 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 hey. Why you want to bring our calling views down? Don't mention that nigga's name. Hey, you know, I like Adonis, man. I don't know. I'm, I'm probably one Baby. of the few on, the, on this panel that like Adonis. So, Baby. you know what I'm saying? I, I, I like Adonis. He, he didn't took some, some easy roads, man, but I think, I, oh. I, you know, I, I like Adonis, man. I, I don't know what it is. I just like Adonis. I always support my Caribbean brethren in this sport, man. So, big up to Donna Stevenson. You're going to get in there with a, uh, with Alvarez finally, so we can give you some kind of credibility with that fight, but I'm going to need you to see you see you up in your game consistently after that. Mm-hmm. I can't keep defending. I can't keep defending you, Adonis. I can't keep doing it. You know, you got my <laughs> neck. You got my neck on the line out here. So, you know what I'm <laughs> but anyways, uh, let's go ahead into this controversial award decision. Um, I'm gonna start it off with our breakdown analyst himself, man. You know, what I'm saying this is what you do. This is why we got you on. You on the money with this shit. To me, <clears throat> I'm gonna say it was a tell of two different fights, you know, and that's yeah. what the decision came down to. Um, this is just yeah. me looking. I didn't score the fight live, as I, I told a lot of people. I, I kind of go off of gut feelings. Um, I don't like doing the whole scoring thing when I'm at fights live. I, I kind of like just to do a filling out process. <clears throat> so, you know, that was my thing there. It was a tell of two different fights if you're just going off of feeling and looking. This is how I was live. Um, let's go mm-hmm. ahead and kick it to 2K. What you got, man? Well, I'm trying not to spend too much time on it, man, but I got to get everything in, man. Um, As you just said, the breakdown king, Mr. Breakdown Analysis. Now, I broke this shit down round by fucking round as I watched it live, okay? There was about eight or nine of us in this house. And for all you dumbass racists out there, because this shit has turned into a race war on YouTube, as I knew it would, right, the house was mixed. Wasn't just black people in the house. All different races in the house. Okay. I'm standing like literally two feet away from the TV because I'm analyzing everything I fucking see. Okay. At the end of the fight, I had it exactly the same way the judges had it. One fourteen, one thirteen, Andre Ward. Now, in the eleventh round, 
after the 11th round ended, I had it a draw, 104 to 104. I told everybody in the house, I said, yo, whoever wins the 12th round wins the fight, okay? Andre Ward probably turned in his second or third best round in the 12th round and took the round. And, you so, know, a lot of people didn't give him credit for that 12th round. I've seen some yeah. actually score that in favor of Kovalev. I'm not you know sure what? how. That, that I was surprised I, by that one. Yeah. 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 I didn't cut you off on this one, but I because I was at the fight. I gave Kovalev the 12th round, but um, and I also had 114-113 Ward as well. But um, right. Okay, you can uh, finish, and I'll come back and probably after you. Well, this this is what I saw. Of course, in the beginning of the fight, from, like, the first five rounds, Sergey Kovalev was dominant. I gave Ward one round out of the first five rounds. This is, of course, my initial scorecard. I gave Andre Ward the fourth round. That was one of his best rounds of the, of the fight. His very best round of the fight was round nine. But before we got to round nine, round four was his best round of the fight, okay? Of course, he got knocked down in the second round. And then in the fifth round, he, uh, Kovalev took that round. So, shit, at five rounds, Ward only won one round, and he was knocked down in the second round, okay? But from round six all the way to round nine, Ward turned the fucking tide with his jab for one. Okay, his jab was landing over Kovalev's, right? Two, the goddamn left hook was landing, okay? Three, the uppercut on the inside was landing. And four, the beautiful, beautiful right hook to the fucking body was killing Kovalev, and it actually sapped his stamina, and he started to fade in these rounds. Now, a lot of people are like, yo, the jab, the jab. Go back and watch the fight and look at those fucking rounds from round six to nine and tell me everything that Kovalev did. All he had was the jab. I will admit, Andre Ward was getting killed by the jab, okay? And actually, uh, my man Seth, shout out to my man Seth, he called this shit before the fight. He said, yo, I'm a little worried because Andre Ward is susceptible to the jab. We both agreed that Sergey Kovalev's right hand wouldn't be a factor, even though it was like an open palm punch that knocked him down. It wasn't even a flush straight right hand that knocked Ward down. But uh, he never landed, a, he never landed the, the right hand consistently ever again in the fight. I think he landed... One straight right hand again later on. No, we're, we're completely and, uh, took that right hand away yeah. from him. You know, right. Sergey right. was a one-handed fighter that second half of the fight. I think that yeah. that was missed by a lot of people scoring yeah. the fight. No, um, that shit wasn't missed, motherfuckers. Not not by us. I'm, I'm talking not not by us. I'm saying by others. I know, you know we're we're I'm on a different level, two K. No, you no, know no, what I'm saying? No, no, no. That, no, no. that, that I'm saying by others is not missed because they're saying, the motherfuckers that I'm talking to, they're saying, nah, Kovalev was hurt. They're actually taking what Kathy Dupa said after the fight as a reason for why Kovalev was not throwing his fucking right hand. That's what I'm hearing. The one thing that people say, the reason why Kovalev wins this fight is because one, the jab, and two, he was the aggressor. That's all I'm, that's all I'm hearing. Well, he's only landing the jab, but Ward is landing all these punches that I just fucking... I mean, it's, it's, it's easy to look at this. You got one jab coming, and then you got about four of the punches from his opponent that are landing flush in each and every one of those rounds that I said he won. So it's, it's not hard to see that just because you're the aggressor, 
uh, if you're still getting hit while you're the aggressor, you can't win the round. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you yeah. throw more puzzles. Yeah. Okay. And that, that that was one of the things I saw with uh, with the first round. You know, a lot of people gave Kovalev that first round because of the aggression factor. And you know, me looking at it, I'm looking at Ward was his jab to the body landed. You know, he was landing what he threw. Kovalev was just throwing aggressive shots and not really. You know, he staggered him with the one jab, and people went off of that and said, okay, he won the round. He won the round, yeah. Because he staggered him with the jab. But I'm looking at round one. I see Andre Ward jabbing to the body effectively. You know, he caught him on the inside a couple times. Like, I I thought Ward won the first round. I'm probably probably in the minority on this one. I I agree. Round one. I'm, I'm going to get to you in a second, Bernard, but, but you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm going to let TK finish, but I'm going to just do that contrast because I'm like a, okay. just on the round one. I just wanted to okay. get it, get a break, get his breakdown on that round one. Um, can yeah. you see it going either way um, as far as scoring that round, Kovalev or Ward? Yeah, round one and round 10, in my opinion, man. Like round 10, I gave it to Kovalev, but after that round, I was like, fuck. <laughs> I stood there for a second and was like, I don't know who I should give it to. You know what I'm saying? And just based on the the ring generalship that I felt Kovalev had in that round, he took it. Now, round one, kind of the same thing. Round one, I understand what you're saying, but I saw Andre Ward doing a little bit more filling out of uh, Kovalev, whereas Kovalev already knew exactly what he wanted to do. He wanted to throw that jab, and he wanted to set up that straight right hand. He wanted to make sure that Andre Ward couldn't do that dip and crawl move and get on the inside of him, so he kept the jab in his face the whole round. And then at the end of the round, it actually staggered him. So that's, that's why I gave him that round. Just, again, ring generalship, but at the same time, this is why I gave Andre Ward the fight, because the majority of the fucking fight, especially in the second half, Andre Ward showed master class ring generalship, mixing up his punches, landing at will, sapping the bigger man's stamina, fading him down the stretch. I mean, what the fuck else do you need to do to win a fight? <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, yeah. he yeah. has to knock this nigga out. <laughs> that's, 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 it's, it's, it's. But this is the thing, though. I see a lot of people score for Kovalev initially, and then they go back and watch it. They come back, they say, yo, I think the fight could have gone either way, or I think uh, Andre Ward actually won the fight. Motherfuckers that are crying robbery don't know shit about boxing. This is there, fucked there, up. Because there is no way. Yeah, there is no way you could cry robbery with this one. It, it wasn't one of those kind of fights like we've seen robberies in boxing. This wasn't yeah. one of them. Like like you know well, I said before entering. There's a, there's a robbery right before the fight, so it's like, come on, dog. Y'all just seen what a robbery really looks like if you actually cared enough about the sport to watch that fight, and then you cry robbery in this fight. Where honestly, yeah. this fight can go either way. It yeah. can go either okay. way. It was that, and like okay. you know, I said uh, entering this was a tell of two different fights. It started off but, one way, you could see it, but the second half of the fight, if you saw it any other way, but Ward fucking outclassing him and taking uh, Kovalev's tools away, you seen Kovalev hesitant and finicky on offense to where he was pulling his punches. Now, you yeah. are not looking at this as, you know, objectively as a fan of boxing and seeing this from Kovalev, like we've seen him against Chilimba. He didn't look good in that fight, but he didn't pull his punches. 
He didn't pull his punches yeah. the way we've seen in this fight. He was pulling his punches. He I had him know, wait wait what Ward had him in his, in his thoughts. And, you know, yep. that was something that I was that I took mental notice of, and I was like, okay, Ward got him. You know, second half of the fight, this is what I was noticing. Um, let I'm me kick it over to round, Bernard, Bernard as well. Round five, I was saying. That. Wait a minute, I was like, that's shot <laughs> but wait, got but wait, though, two K though, two K. What you said when you said people saw a robbery in the fight before this Andre Ward fight and didn't say nothing. That's because it's not that they don't know shit about boxing. They don't give a shit about that being a fucking robbery because they don't they don't really know who those two dudes was. Yeah, and that's right, the reason okay. why they don't look but at that as being a robbery. Point, they don't good give point, a bro. shit. Like they don't give a shit about the you know the 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 guys that they don't know about. Like a lot of these people who call themselves so-called casual fans only care about the names that they see on TV, ESPN, and all that shit. But the people that they don't see getting pushed, they don't give a shit about them being robbed because we see this all the time and talk about it. Yep, yep. Good point, Bo, good point, Bo. Um, I'm going to let you go ahead and uh, give your analysis of the fight before I kick it off to your partner because we're just going to do a little kickoff on the uh, swing rounds as well. Um, so go ahead, Bo, finish off your analysis. What did you see in this fight as far as uh, who did you have the winner? Um, any anything you just think we should take note of, take note of in the fight that you think might be being missed uh, by well, the mainstream? Well, well, let me say this: two K. You know, there's there's really there, you can always add something, but there's really not much you can add to what he said. But you can always add something. You can add the fact that, uh, in my opinion, I felt like those who scored this fight for Kovalev one sixteen one eleven. To me, I felt like. Andre Ward is a victim of his own success. And what I mean by that is if you're used to seeing him be dominant, if you're used to seeing him not having trouble with the guy and he has trouble, some of them felt like, well, because he's having trouble, he must have lost, you know, he must not have lost this. He must not have won this round. Okay. And so to a certain degree, he's a victim of his own success. But what I want to point out is this fight wasn't a controversy. HBO made it a fucking controversy. When Jim Lampley sat there and said, quote, Andre Ward, American fighter, three American judges winning versus the outsider. Oh, now people yeah. look at it. When he said yeah. that, he made it a fucking controversy, okay? Uh, yeah. I, watched, I watched this fight with the commentary. In the ninth round, Max Kellerman said this. He said, Andre Ward is showing us his championship heart and pedigree and have made this an even fight. In the 12th round, they all said whoever wins the most moments could possibly be the winner. Then when the winner was yep. announced, it's a fucking controversy? Are you kidding yeah. me? You know, yeah. so this fight only became a cut because people that was complaining about the fucking uh, uh, judges. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Both motherfucking camps knew who the judges was. How come Kathy Duke didn't have shit to say about the judges when she saw the names on the list? Okay? <laughs> she knew who the judges were. When people talk to me about, oh, it was in America with American judges, that didn't mean shit when you fought Pasquale in Canada. It didn't mean shit when you fought Bernard Hopkins. That shit, y'all nope. don't give a fuck about that shit when you fought them, all right? And what I really hate is, by making it a controversy, you took away from the greatness of the fight we saw and what we saw from Andre Ward. Now, I give exactly. Kovalev all the credit in the world because I am the one on our show that picked Ward because I didn't know how Kovalev would, would mentally act if it wasn't going his way. And he, sh- he did show up. But I give Ward a lot of credit because when he got up in that second round, he didn't go into survival mode like we've seen a lot of people go into when Kovalev put them down. Andre Ward didn't go into survival mode. He stayed the course of the game plan. And to your point about the corners, Virgil Hunter 
was in fucking wards here from the moment he got up off that yeah. He said, look at me. Fucking look at me. He, he yeah. was in here. Yeah. He looked at me. Then you look over at John David Jackson, and I said, well, David Jackson, wasn't really in Kovalev's uh, wasn't really Kovalev's ear like folded, he should have been. Yeah, John David Jackson folded yeah. in both of his fights that night, man. Uh, yeah, he wasn't and, active in the corner at all. I tell you, the most action I've seen from him was what? chewing that goddamn double mint. Quiet, <laughs> man. Quiet. Check, check this out, though. Check this out. One day my co-host said uh, a while ago, he said, yo, I really don't feel like John David Jackson actually trained Kovalev. He was like, they don't have the typical boxer trainer relationship, like mm-hmm. you watch how they how they talk to each other. Kovalev even said himself, "Hey, I just pretty much go in there and do what the fuck I want to do." John David Jackson said the same thing. Hey, you know, I I tell Kovalev some pointers and shit about his opponent, but ultimately he goes in the fight and does what he wants to do. When a trainer says that, that tells you right then and there that he's not actually training his fighter. So when Kovalev mm-hmm. was in. What, what you call the heat of the moment, that's why you guys saw what you saw, because John David Jackson didn't know what to tell this motherfucker because he don't train this nigga. That's you why know what that's, 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 that's one of the things that was said uh, even in the Chalimba fight that John David Jackson yeah. was only there for like two weeks in Russia. Like, Kovalev, yep, exactly. training, you, know, and Co- you know, John David Jackson only came in for like the last two weeks in Russia. So this is something yeah. that's been out there about their, their about their whole training relationship for for a bit. Wait, I'll take it a step further, guys. I'll take it a step further. I question if Kovalev even have respect for John David Jackson because as a fighter, when yep. you have a trainer, you have to you listen to your trainer because you know you have to trust your trainer. You have to respect what your trainer teach you and what he sees. So if you're telling me you don't you don't you not listen to your trainer, you do what you want to do. I question if you have respect for the dude. Because how can you tell me as a fighter you're not listening to the dude that's supposed to be helping you to win? That's supposed to tell you yep. what he sees that you're not doing right or the other guy isn't doing right that'll work for you. So I question the respect level of 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 of, of uh, between him and, and John and John David Jackson. But also let's keep this in mind too. Andre Ward, okay, because people want to talk about the holding and the clinching, and I like what the referee said. If one guy got another guy in the head, like who do you think is holding? And so. You know, but Andre Ward had a game. He he was able to make his adjustments. We saw that. When he started going to the body, he started making Kovalev tired. And and true to form, I think it was um, I think it was Breadman that told us about Kovalev's balance. Did y'all see the eleven round when Kovalev just kind of collapsed on the ground when Ward went into him? And you can tell him he was tired. He was tired. Now I give him credit for gutting it out, but on those body shots was killing them, and for people to yeah. say, for, and, and for people to talk about the body shots, here's the thing. They were visible, and you could hear them. There wasn't body shots that you didn't know that was happening. You Nigga, heard those shots. Wood. Okay, yes. wood. <laughs> You heard them shots, man. So, I mean, it, it, just because a guy gets knocked down don't mean he's lost the fight. We saw Marquez get knocked down three fucking times and still came within the Thank job of war getting knocked Thank down you. one, hey, and you telling me yeah. he lose? Yo, Sam, that's exactly the fucking, the fucking, um, um, what I use to everybody. I say, yo, look at Marquez Pacquiao and look what Marquez did from round two to round fucking 12. That's exactly what Ward did from round five to round fucking 12 minus round 10, B. Same shit. <laughs> Same shit. And the HBO commentary. And the HBO commentary was uniform. When they was true to yeah. form, they 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 talk shit about this fight. 
Oh, but the following week when he was one of their goddamn fighters, they they didn't have none of that bullshit going on. So, yep. uh, you know, you know, I mean, it is what it is. But you know, again, I had, uh, Andre Ward won the fight, whether we like it or not. Andre Ward won the fight, and for motherfuckers that like to tell me, and I had this argument with a person, and I hope you fucking listening. For motherfuckers that tell me that you suppose you proved you did you suppose to prove you beat the champion, I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell you exactly what I told him. If you follow the history of boxing. In big fight with big names, that shit is never fucking applied. You have to prove that you beat the other dude. Ali and Ken fucking Norton, okay? In big fights with big fights names, that shit has never fucking applied in the history of goddamn boxing. You just got to prove you won the goddamn fight. Learn the fucking sport, y'all. All right, let me go ahead and pass it over to your partner in crime and Bernard so he could do his swing round breakdown because I know he has some interesting analysis on on what he thought factored in into the fight's decision. So go ahead and swing that on what you had as far as the swing rounds, Bernard. Let me pull it up. The swing rounds I had was the fifth round, the seventh round, and the eighth round. Those were the three swing rounds that could have gone either way for both fighters, but, of course, I gave them to Ward. Uh, I, during that fight, you said you gave him the first – you gave Ward the first round, right? Yeah. Uh, who else yeah. gave Ward the first round? I don't, think, I don't think too many people did. I'm, I'm probably in the minority there. Like I said, Ward didn't lose all the first six rounds. So you had to factor that in there. I gave him the first and the fifth like you did as well. So go ahead, continue, Bernard. No, okay, then. Look, I said I gave Kovalev the first three rounds. When you came down to the fourth round, that's when, the, like, again, 2K said, that's when the change of the guard, that's when everything started to change, the fourth, the fifth, yep. the sixth, all the way up to the tenth. The tenth, Kovalev came back. But Bo pretty much took some of my points with the whole body shot. It was the body one that really changed everything up in that fight. If you I'm not gonna you can't sit there and tell me Kovalev was the aggressor when the whole time during the whole fight he's he, he was initiating the clinch. Initiating the clinch. Yes. That's not yeah. aggression and you're trying to ch- literally choke uh Ward out so he won't go inside. But Ward kept sticking <laughs> the plan because he kept okay, if you looked at the ninth round, I don't think anybody maybe I think Maybe 2K picked this up. Did you see how Kovalev was shaking his arms out? Absolutely. Like he was, they were shaking. Like, he didn't know. He that's was a good point. That's a good point. I, I did, I, that's what I was saying when I said Kovalev was hesitant on offense. He was like, he, he, was he, was, he was pulling punches. You know what I'm saying? He was like, he, he, you look at the uh, boxing scene, they said his output was down. You know what I'm saying? His output was down. Well, that he was, was hesitant. Watching the fight. He, he was hesitant <laughs> in it. Yeah, he, yeah, you know that was Andre making him hesitant on everything he threw. Yeah. This is this is me looking at the fight second half. You know, Kovalev was hesitant to throw anything. You know, what okay. saying? That, except for that jab. Jab right. that's 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 he was confident he had, in. He, he had the only thing I, I actually see him throw a body shot is when there was one of those pushes that he actually hit and Ward took a step back. I want to say that was in like the sixth or seventh round. But let let me tell you this: when he when Ward was working on that body, he worked on the left the left side 
on Kovalev. He kept throwing that Absolutely. right hook. That right hook. That right hook. And if anybody, if, I know 2K, you noticed this. Did you think Kovalev's arm went, was up and by the end of this, end of the fight? That, arm that shit was, was down. down. Yep. And it was full, it was full blow. War could have landed his right up to the head if he wanted to. I, but he really, yep. if I anything, there was one part of the fight in the later rounds. War came up through a hook, hit him with a hook, came back and hit him with a jab. So yep. I mean to sit there and tell you that uh, I, at the end of the fight, I had two scorecards. I had it 114-113 War. Came back. And um, came back, came back home, home, looked at the fight again, and it was the 12th round that I, I think pretty much changed everything for me, and I gave it 115, 112, war. I want to shout That's out. That's what to I had. Yeah, I want to shout out to the uh, casual fan that said uh, the 10th round he gave the Kovalev. It was a 10 second round. But I'm still trying to figure out what, <laughs> what the hell. Man, what the hell kind of, what kind of group Yo, you in, yo man? I want to, hey, I miss the fuckery. I'm going to bring all the fuckery the casuals be bringing to y'all and all the fuckery in boxing. This dude really said that it was a 10-7 round. I'm trying to figure out where it was the knockdowns at. But then how can you measure a 10-7 round where only Kovalev only threw five more punches in war? But his percentage was low because... <laughs> His percentage was much lower because he threw more punches, but he missed more. So please, somebody yeah. tell me where did Ward get knocked down in the tenth? I mean, in the tenth round to get a score of seven? Man, it wasn't no robbery. Motherfucker, just mad that Ward won the fight. Plain and simple. Yeah. But I got to yeah. shout out to Larry. Hey, but no, give a shout out to Hell Letterman for scoring the ninth round for Ward up in the Cope Love. Also, just give oh, him a shout out for Hell. Yo, I mean, he got a tenth round of Kovalev. I'm in the ninth yo, round. Yo, yo, shout yeah. out to Jim. Shout out to Jim Lally for saying Kovalev threw that right hand and uh, hit War. But when you saw the uh, replay, that punch didn't even touch War. <laughs> didn't even go where near, nowhere near. You nowhere know what? near. You with the punch. I want to shout out again. I know I did it earlier, but I really got to do it right now. <laughs> shout out again, Scott Sports. British fans, they know they fucking boxing. I watched the Scott Sports telecast after watching Bullshit HBO. Motherfuckers saw the fight totally different. They saw it the way they should have seen this shit, okay? Uh, a lot of them cats over there, they had Ward winning by two points. You know what I'm saying? One point. There was no robbery. They even expressed that shit. Polly Mountain did a great job commentating. <laughs> Shout out to Scott Sports, man. They number one right now, fam. They better than hey, all I, your I, I want to say something else, too. I want to say something else, too. I want to shout out Paulie for calling the knockdown for what it was. It wasn't a tactical mistake on Ward's part. War, Kovalev was coming in with his jab. War was coming in with his jab. War kept his hand down, and he didn't know Kovalev was yeah. going to come in with The one-two knockdown Ward. The two, the two knockdown yeah. Ward. It was it pretty much was a flash knockdown. Even Virgil Hunter said it himself. Ward kept his hand down, but it wasn't really a tactical mistake. Yeah. It happens in boxing. Yeah. It just happened that this well, punch happened to knock him down. But he got in his will, He told him to stick to the game plan. I will say this though, man. Kovalev in this fight, because we're we're saying he lost the fight, but I will say this. Kovalev is much smarter than I thought he was initially. 
I mean, he did some smart. Like, in that knockdown, he actually timed the shit out of yeah, Andre Ward yeah. and came over yeah. and came over the top with his right hand. Yeah. Now, the right hand, like that I was said earlier, following it, up. It that was him following flush. up. Right. It didn't land flush. He hit him with an open palm. But if it would have landed flush, <laughs> who knows what could have happened. But he also did something else smart. Whenever he realized, you know, uh, Ward was doing the move that I told everybody that he needed to do to win, dip, crawl, jab to the body, then come up top with the left hook. He would try to do that move. Kovalev would step back and jab downward. And the reason why he jabbed downward is so Ward would run right into the jab. Very beautiful IQ for Sergey Kovalev. And a little off topic, I said Kovalev would beat Adonis Stevenson before this fight. Now, after looking at his IQ in this fight, he killed Adonis Stevenson. I know Twine Bro. don't like that shit. But also, but, but also, you know what though? Give, give Kovalev, give Kovalev a lot of credit also because the first half of the fight, the the reason why he was doing good in the first half of the fight was he was he, he was uh, punching with uh, he was jabbing with Andre Ward. He was punching with him. He stopped doing yeah. it in the second half. For nigga, pause your pause your fucking phone while you die. Shit, <laughs> what are you over there dying? Use your goddamn phone or you gonna die. <laughs> Kovalev was punching with Andre Ward in the beginning of the fight, and that's why he was having success, but he didn't do it in the second yeah. half of the fight. No, he didn't. Yep, exactly. The body shot came into effect. Ward dictated the pace easily. It's easy to see that shit. Yes, he was on his back foot because uh, Kovalev was the aggressor, but at the same time, he was landing more. He was more accurate. He was more he accurate with yeah. the shots. His aggression wasn't effective. His aggression yeah. wasn't effective. But let's, exactly. call it for what it, let's, let's call it for what it was. It was a chess match. Two good yeah. boxers went in that ring and gave <coughs> us at the, the appearance what we like to see a great match. And Ward came out the victim, man. Maybe yep. the fight could have gone either way, but I saw it as war. We saw it as war, and it is what it is. Rematch going to be much worse than that. Because you can't get oh, a yeah. guy with Andre Ward. Well, that's another team. thing we can speak on. Will there be yeah. a rematch? Ward, this was and his last fight cannot. under eight. We had to, that's something else we need to we need to bring up, fellas. Um, will there be a rematch? Um, you cannot give a guy like Andre Ward a rematch with his IQ. You can't do it. No, I'm not. Will, will, will there be a rematch, though? Uh, th- this is was Ward's last fight under HBO. Uh, there's some other things at hand that then that need to be handled. Will we see a rematch of this fight? Um, I'm thinking but, right now, no. Even though there was a, a rematch, rematch clause. Yeah, a rematch clause. But y'all need to kind of take this into account. Um, that was Ward's last fight with HBO. That's what I was saying. That was his life. That was his last fight under HBO. So if he goes to the, go ahead, go ahead, Bernard. Now conspiracy theorists would probably sit there and say, "Oh, HBO had him make sure he won the belt, and then they screamed out robbery, so they could make sure Ward sides with HBO again and give Kovalev the rematch, and possibly if it goes back down to another decision, Kovalev gets the belt." I don't know if that's true yeah, or not. I mean, that, that's a theory we could throw, people want to throw out there. But if I was Ward, I would go with Showtime <clears> and try to get that uh, that, that green bill that uh, yeah, Stephen Curry's baby sitting over there. 
Now, I if, agree if, with if that I'm too. Andre Ward, if, if I'm Andre Ward, I give I give HBO the motherfucking finger. I give them the yeah, finger. Yeah. Real talk. I I give them the finger because one thing about that fight that I did notice was, uh, and maybe it was me. It seemed like it did take Ward a minute to adjust to the weight during that fight. For some reason, he 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 didn't seem. He like you could clearly tell Kovalev was the bigger man. I, I I going back to what Donnell Boone said in the interview that you guys had, and shout out to him for that. He said that maybe Ward needed another fight or a fight with a bigger guy of that caliber to deal before facing Kovalev. And it it did seem like maybe just maybe Ward needed a, you know he, he it took him a minute to adjust to that weight and everything that was going on during that fight. You know. I mean, I could be wrong. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Think, where was the where was, was that, man. For as my expression, uh, where was looking like the light skinned niggas, you know what I'm saying, early on, you know what I'm uh, saying? Face was, face was all red and his nose and all that shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, uh, he, I don't think, Ward, I don't you know think it was saying? that. Kobe was beating the black out of them. You know what I'm saying? It was the jab, man. It was the jab and the IQ. Like, he, just like, just like I said before the fight, you know, I, I think um, Virgil Hunter and Andre Ward thought the same. They didn't think Sergey Kovalev, based on his last fights. I mean, look at, you know, Cedric Agnew, Blake Caparello, uh, even Bernard mm-hmm. Hopkins. He, he scared Bernard Hopkins and made Bernard Hopkins gunshot. That's how he dominated that fight. Uh, Isaac Salimba. I mean, there's, he did not show the type of IQ in those fights that he showed against Andre Ward. And that fucking mm-hmm. jab is probably one of the best jabs in boxing. That that after this one yeah. fight, it has literally become possibly one of the best fucking jabs in boxing. I'm talking like fucking Larry Holmes, a piston type well, jab with a lot of saying, power behind uh, it. Bernard said his jab was like as strong as his right hand. You know well, that's something that, that Bernard was saying. Yeah. Well, we, we we said that we said that we said that months before the fight, and that's what me and Seth were talking about. Like it's not the right hand that Ward would have had to worry about. It's the jab. We said that months before the fight. But we didn't know that Kovalev throw it in the right places at the right time. And I don't think Virgil Hunter and Andre Ward knew that as well. That's what was fucking Ward up. Wasn't a way to me. It's the IQ. Okay. I mean, that could be it. I mean, you, 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 you could be right there. But I just, I, I just listen, in a, would there be a rematch? I hope so. But if there's be a rematch, I don't want him to have have that rematch on H, on HBO's grounds. I really don't. I want him to give him the finger because, like I said, they the ones that caused the controversy. They the ones that made you think that fucking Andre Ward was shocked that his name was called and you know and all that. They, I I don't want him. I would give fucking HBO the motherfucking finger and try to have it on yeah. the Showtime or independently or whatever the case may be. I do want to say that to a certain degree, I I felt that. You know, and I could be me. You know, this fight could have been promoted a, a lot better than what it, than, than, than than what it was. I mean, they had no twenty four seven. You know, they had this little my fight thing, which was cool, but they had no twenty four seven. Like this fight didn't really start getting promoted until a few weeks before the fight when they started really pushing it, and they should have been pushing this a while ago. So you know, it was poorly promoted. Uh, like you said, the commentary was was cause was was completely. Uh, atrocious toward the end, especially when the end of the fight came, and they called you know you know they called the controversy, and then um, uh, I agree with Bernard. You know, uh, going back to what Virgil Hunter said, he felt like HBO made Andre Ward move up to 175 to fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They set him up for failure. They wanted him to lose. Yeah, they set him up for failure. So 
I mean, a rematch has to happen, and I agree with you. Can't you can't? And Andre Ward even said it. Look, <laughs> now he knows what to expect. Uh, I don't see Kovalev exactly. getting any better. I don't think we saw the best Andre Ward either. So I don't see Kovalev getting any better. I don't think we saw the best Andre Ward. And like you said, now that Andre Ward knows what he's looking at and what he's seeing, I I I, I guarantee you it won't be no knockdown because yeah. after he got knocked nope. out in the second round, Kovalev never came close to being able to knock him down again after that. Yeah. He never even nope. came close to it because of the adjustments Andre Ward made. So I yep. just, you know, I, I, I mean, should there be a rematch? Of course there has to be one. But for for anybody that wants to scream robbery, for anybody that wants to shine hate and all that towards Andrew Ward way, the boy does one thing and does one thing well, he wins. People were saying that he, people, uh, and we know this personally, people were saying how he probably didn't want to fight, wouldn't show up, was going to get injured. Well, didn't happen. That shit, that shit, <laughs> shit didn't happen. <laughs> okay, the shit didn't yeah. happen. He showed up and he was there. So, yeah, you know, you got to have a rematch because it was close. But I think in a rematch, I, I mean, I think in a rematch, we'll probably see the real, you know, the, the real Andre Ward now that he knows what he's looking at. And, it could be, you know, it'll be a different outcome. Yeah, you got know, you got to look at it like Floyd Mayweather in his rematches. He always he always made it look easier the second time yep. around, you know. And I think this is what it would look like with Ward and Kovalev. You know, Ward knows what he's looking at. Kovalev's not going to make the adjustments with John David Jackson in one camp. You know, it's just too much, too much. The way he was flustered in the second half of that fight, I, I just don't see it changing in one camp. So, um, well, he may come into the fight it. thinking he got to knock one out and, and be over it. You know. Yeah. The question is, y'all think Kovalev can make adjustments in the training camps to get ready for war? No, I no. don't. I Not definitely don't. I don't. No, I don't. Y'all think he gonna fire Uncle Ruckus? No. But on another note, you know, let's go ahead and uh, go on to, to some other topics, man. We got a lot to talk about. You know, we stuck, we've been on this one for a minute, but uh, let's move on. We had a uh, heavyweight, you know, uh, Alex Stewart passing away over the past week. Oh, you want to say rest in peace to him? You know, uh, give him a shout out on the show. Um, he fought a lot of guys out in the heavyweight division. You know, Oleg, Oleg Maskev, uh, Vander Holyfield. You know, uh, he George Foreman. He fought a lot of guys in the heavyweight division. So, uh, you know, rest in peace, Alex Stewart. Um, you know, big up. Uh, let's move on to our next topic. Uh, we got some pretty interesting stuff going on in the heavyweight division. Again, Lucas Brown failed the drug test for the second time. <laughs> and, yeah, his oh, state of this fight with Shannon Briggs for the regular <laughs> WBA heavyweight championship is in limbo. Um, let me go ahead and start off with uh Bogard on this one. Um, what 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 you think of this? And uh, have you heard anything recently? I know you'd be on top of a lot of these things. Uh, uh, what's the status of this fight as far as uh Lucas Brown and Shannon Briggs? Is it off? What's going to happen with that? Uh, go ahead, man. Well, I mean, I think it's 
the WBA is convening to figure out what they're going to do um, as far as trying to salvage some kind of fight for this goddamn unnecessary fucking Texas roadhouse stampede across the pond fucking belt that they that they got. Um, so they're, they're going to convene to figure out what to do going forward. Um, the problem is that uh, although it's, it's for a WBA title, now remember, because people are trying to revert to the drug testing program, where well, that program is only on, under the WBC. It's under the WBC guidelines. It's not the same guidelines that you have under the WBA. So um, who knows what they're going to do or what they're going to decide. Me personally, me personally, since there's been two failed drug tests, because remember he was suspended once before. So there, there, should, should there be a ban? To a certain degree, I feel like, yeah, he should. And people may disagree with me, but I definitely feel like, yeah, he should. Like you said, this isn't, I mean, back-to-back drug test failings. He fell back-to-back of them in title fights right after winning them. So there's definitely a problem there. Lucas is thinking he can get away with something. Um, they are not, uh, I tell you one thing, they're not doing, they're not looking at other options as far as, as we would like to think they'd be looking at, which is Lewis Ortiz. Nope, they're not looking that way. They don't, uh, for some odd reason, they don't particularly care about that. They may move Ustineb up to face Shannon. Uh, you, you mentioned, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned Ortiz for a reason, though. You know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I know yes. you did. I know you well, did. Well, 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 well. Somebody. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> I know, know who did. did. Somebody, somebody said something earlier on our page, the movement. Somebody said something earlier about. Uh, me putting too much Cuban shit on the page. Who was that? Oh, that was that light skin nigga 2K. That's who it was. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, they're not going to look toward Luis Ortiz. They, they may look at Houston since he's fighting for the interim, you know, trying to get to fight for the interim championship. They may look toward him to fight Shannon Briggs until they figure out what to do with Lucas Bronny. But this is a look, – look, we talked about this, and Twan, you said all the, this. Is, this, this is a jacked-up situation with the WBA from Jump Street. They shouldn't be having these many belts floating out there, floating around. They should have one fucking champion. It shouldn't be no regular, super, intercontinental, interim. It shouldn't be none of that shit. They should have one fucking yeah. belt floating out there, floating around. And how – like, the WBA is really starting to turn into a joke because how can you yeah. have the number five and number seven dude fighting for your fucking belt? And not the number one and number two guy. So it's starting to turn into a, it's really starting to turn into a joke. But let's let's give credit where credit is due. It was uh, and people hate I know people hate to hear this, but it was Floyd Mayweather that introduced this this drug this drug program into boxing. And now we're seeing a lot of motherfuckers is testing positive. Now some yep. some of it isn't positive testing for like you know because uh, somebody mentioned the uh, Severin situation. I said that's different. That particular drug is harmful to the user, and it's a dietary supplement. There's a difference between a, a, a supplement, dietary supplement that's harmful to you health-wise versus a, a, a performance enhancer to, gain, to give you an advantage. So please learn the difference between the two. But, yeah, this is turning into a joke with the WBA. They are – I'm thinking that – in my thinking, I'm thinking they're hoping that, that this don't pick up a lot of traction so they can figure out what to do if they want to justify going forward with it with the fight because it definitely seems like they kind of want this fight between these two dudes for whatever reason. I have no clue as to why, but they, but they're not giving my man Lewis Ortiz a shot. I'm going to say that one more time just in case I didn't say it. Well, shit, he ain't dinner him no more, man. He don't need no shots. 
Uh, I'm sorry. Is he still considered number one contender? Is he still considered one of the top heavyweights? Who would you rather see? Uh, is I, I, I don't know what he is. No, 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 no. Wait a minute, nigga. I don't know what he is. Wait a minute, nigga. I'm fucking talking. Okay? If you are to not better than fucking Briggs or motherfucking, I mean, shit. Is Lewis Ortiz not better than goddamn Briggs? Is Lewis Ortiz not better than this fucking Brownie? Is he not better than dudes right hey. now? Hey, man, hey, if, oh, if oh, they felt that way, they wouldn't have they 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 stripped him. They, they wouldn't have stripped him if they stripped him. They stripped him because Ultimate did not want to conduct to a drug test doing, uh, after they won the first bid. Ultimate didn't want to do a drug testing program with them. I can, so I she can pulled end out all the fight. bullshit right now. I can end all the bullshit right now. Luis Ortiz is still the number one contender. He deserves the shot. Case in point. Doesn't need a fucking and that, and interim belt. He's the he's the fucking number one contender. <laughs> the interim I'm just like, why, why they strip him for it and, and keep him number one? That that don't make no sense. And they give him this other bullshit. You know what I'm saying? This intercontinental or whatever the shit they just gave him. You don't have to be number one contender to have an interim belt. Plenty of times have I seen the interim title holder not be the number one contender. I've seen that Mm -hmm. so many times. That just made him double the mandatory. That's all the fuck that did. But he was always the number one contender right after he beat uh, that fucking Argentinian guy. He became the number one contender of the WBS. And at the same time, it just so happened he picked up the interim title. He should have gotten his shot right after he beat the fuck out of Brian Jennings the way he did. He should have yes, never should've. fought no goddamn Tony the motherfucking Tiger, and he shouldn't have fought no faggot ass Malik Scott. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. He should have. Well, been you know, well, shot. you know, he got another <laughs> fight coming up. Another fight coming up in like a week or so too. Yeah, so Eddie Hearns. Eddie Hearns. Eddie goddamn Allen. That's your boy, though. But big up to Eddie Hearn. You know, he's keeping him busy at least. You know what I'm saying? He got him in there again something. Uh, uh, he needs to be. It's some bullshit, but you know. They should have gave him a shot before this. And now that he popped hot for a second time, they definitely need to give him a shot. I mean, there's nobody else to fucking look at. <laughs> I don't see it happening just because it looks like Eddie Hearn is looking for a super matchup between Ortiz and uh, Anthony Joshua in 2017. Yeah. So I'm I'm thinking they're going to put this on the back burner as far as him going after the regular. But we'll see. You know, um, yeah. they definitely got to do better than this upcoming shit that he got coming up on, in December just to keep him active and busy. Um, yeah, because it, it, it's starting to look like a joke. You know, we need to see no, Ortiz in there again. Starting to look like a joke. <laughs> yeah, man, that's uh, terrible, you know, man. That said, uh, we're going to swing it into our uh, our next topic. Uh, it's looking like uh, Andres Fonfara and Chad Dawson is a possible fight. Uh, at light heavyweight on the Badu Jack versus James Miguel fight card coming up in January in Brooklyn. Um, let me get you guys' initial thoughts on this fight. I'm gonna start off with a big cool. Um, I mean it's an intriguing fight. It's a definitely a true crossroads fight, especially for Chad Dawson, who 
hasn't been himself since he was knocked out brutally by Donna Stevenson a few years ago in the first round. Um, I don't know how much he has left, but if he has anything left, it should at least be a competitive fight. I don't think I'm not confident enough to say, you know, he will win this fight against Fafara, who is a much fresher guy, a little younger. But he also is kind of a brutal knockout loss to Joe Smith Jr. So it's definitely a intriguing fight. We always we all know that Chad comes to fight each and every time. Um, so it will be entertaining, uh, you know, even if it's not competitive. But if it's made, I uh, lean towards so far um, by stoppage. I mean, I just think that, like I said, he's stronger, uh, fresher, a little younger, not as talented. But Chad Dawson has got a lot of knowledge on his body, been in some brutal rewards. And like I said, that Stevenson knockout, Took a lot out of him, and uh, just don't know he's that mentally. But um, hopefully, both guys come in well prepared to give a good fight if this fight is made. So you know, it's a good fight. Yeah, and uh, just a uh, a little side note: uh, this will be Von Fara's first uh, fight under Virgil Hunter. So he's he's been with uh, Virgil Hunter since his uh, lost. Uh, what's his name? Joe Joe something. I can't. Joe Smith. Um, yeah, Joe uh, Smith switched, Jr. Yep. Yeah, so since he lost to Joe Smith Jr., he switched camps to Virgil Hunter. So this will be his first fight under Virgil Hunter. Um, let me go ahead and swing it over to uh, Bo. What you what you think on this uh, potential fight between between uh, Fon Fara and um, Oh Boy? Chad Dawson. Yeah, Chad Dawson. You know what? Uh, yeah, first off, uh, you know what? Let me say this. Um, I accept your apology for what you said about Lewis Ortiz, by the way. But um, uh, I, I, be, I agree with Big Steve. This is a crossroad fight between Chad Dawson and from father. Um, from father lost to Joe Smith by, by knockout somewhere in America. He lost that fight. Uh, and um, he, he left Sam Colonna, went over to Virgil Hunter. Now, my biggest question is, does from father have – the, the, the talent and the skill to be trained under Virgil Hunter enough to where we'll see a difference in the way that he fights when he fights Chad Dawson. That's going to be the big well, – but that's the big question for me because sometimes you need more than one training camp, especially with a guy like Virgil Hunter. Now, a guy like Virgil Hunter is an exceptional trainer, so sometimes one training camp with Virgil Hunter is all you need, especially if he's down there right now working on things. And, and then he's down there with Virgil Hunter. you got Andre Ward down there that he can also work with to help him out a little bit. And so uh, it could help him. Chad Dawson, on the other hand, I'm just wondering, I mean, where, where is he mentally? Like, where is Chad Dawson mentally? And I think that's going to be a, a, a question that Chad Dawson is going to have to answer that, that we're going to have to wait and see. Where is Chad Dawson mentally? Where is Chad Dawson mentally and physically also as well? So it's, a, it's definitely a cross-world fight. I think whoever wins this fight will start hearing their name being mentioned you know, within the light heavyweight division. Um, but um, it's going to be – my biggest concern is definitely going to be the Virgil – him switching over to Virgil Hunter is not bad, but does he have the skill to, in, in training camp to make the changes that Virgil Hunter is going to make? Because from father has some – he has some major adjustments that he has to make. I, I don't know – I know we watch we watch from father fight. But, but I always had concerns about from fighter fighting style. I, I always thought that, you know, he, he's he's a pressure fighter, but he needs to employ more boxing moves to his pressure fighting. You know, sometimes he like he puts his head on his chest 
and he's looking down instead of trying to see where the punches are coming from, you know. So um, it's a good move for him, but I'm wondering where both of these dudes are right now mentally in their careers and physically. Good point. That's a good point right there. Uh, let me go ahead and pass it over to uh, Bernard as well. You've seen uh, Fonfara live. Uh, actually, you were at that Joe Smith fight, weren't you? Yes, sir. No, okay. no, 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 no. Bernard wasn't at that fight. Bernard was not at that fight. Yes, yes, Bernard. Bernard. Bernard watched that fight like in Indiana or Wisconsin or someplace. Yeah, okay. Okay. Same nigga that's talking. Keep it. Don't want to rep in Chicago. Shut your ass up. Now, let me let a real king speak. Now, I was at that fight, and Joseph caught that motherfucker. I'm going to call it plain and simple. But um, basically, uh, I would like to see the fight, see how far fair fights on the verge of 100. I mean, y'all already went over the same points. I don't want to go over the same points again. But um, I really want to see where Chad Dawson's at. That's what I want to see at. This is a chance for him to redeem himself and bring himself back into the, uh, I don't want to say uh, the title title contender, but be a, possibly a, a major contender if he beats Fonfara. And um, because let's, let's look at it. I mean, who do you have in the heavyweight division other than Kovalev, Ward, I mean the light heavyweight division, Kovalev, Ward, and Dottie? Beard of who? Whatever his name is. Oh, other reference dude that can punch. Oh. Yeah, but oh, he's only seven. He's seven fights in or whatever. Or how many fights in as a pro? He's ten. He's ten and oh. Ten knockouts. Archer Beater Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, so okay, then you got Fonfara. Then that's it, right? Yeah. So okay, then I mean, I mean, come on, there's not. It's not really a. Deep division. I don't want to go ahead of ourselves, but I mean, I put it like this. Yeah, you got okay. You got cleverly over there holding that WBA belt. Okay, so, so I mean, it's it's kind of a division right now that you're. It's uh, I want to see where Chad Dawson goes at. You know what I'm saying? Can he bring himself back up there by beating Fonfara? And I mean, if Fonfara lose to a long, take a knockout again, I mean. Will he be will he be put on journeyman status? That's my question to y'all. You know what I'm saying? Probably. Yeah, that that chin has been suspect. You know, Don has tapped it before, and you know he got touched by Joe Smith in his last fight. So that's something we'll be on the lookout for in the in the future and see if uh, very Virgil Hunter can help him out on his defenses as far as uh, not getting caught up in situations like that. Um, you know, it was kind of a different situation with Fonfara. I think he was going out because he actually had Smith hurt in that situation as well. So it was kind of like Smith just caught him with a good punch, you know, in the floor. No, Smith wasn't out. hurt. He was just blocking his punches, and then he just counted with a right hook and caught him when he saw that jab was out a little bit too long. Yeah. But fine. You know, Fonfara got a little overzealous and, uh, you know, got caught with something. You know, but at the same time, we'll see what will happen with this change. Uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, switch over to our next topic. Uh, looks like Billy Joe Saunders, uh, he has Billy another Cole. postponement. In, yeah, Billy Ho, another postponement in this fight. Uh, it's looking like it will be uh, this weekend now, I'm guessing, December 3rd uh, for his fight, which was scheduled 
rescheduled for November, uh, the end of November originally, after being postponed then. Uh, yeah, let me go ahead and start off with a uh, 2K man. I know you. I know you probably just gonna lay it in and go go brief and just say what it is. I mean, I ain't got nothing to say, man. Like <laughs> I told y'all, niggas, Billy Joe Sanders spends the majority of his time making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, fam. I told y'all, niggas, man. <laughs> That's why this nigga's not fighting. Y'all think I'm fucking playing, man? I swear to God, I seen this nigga making a ham sandwich the other day, fam. I was like, Billy, I thought you were supposed to fight this cat in uh, Brooklyn. He was like, nah, man, shit, I need to make this sandwich, man. A lot of sandwiches I got to make. This motherfucker don't want to fight? He don't want to fight. Because if he did, this motherfucker would have been in the ring. This motherfucker, man. Somebody see this nigga's belt, please. Why is he I, I want to say shame, shame on the WBO for letting this shit, go, this sham go on. Man. I mean, this is shit that make Boston look bad, man. This is shit that make Boston look bad when you got yeah, the, don't want to fight. Yeah, the WBO, shame, shame on y'all for letting this sham go on for so long with uh, Billy Ho. Um, well, the WBO don't make mandatories, and that's the biggest problem right there. They don't have mandatories. That's the reason why. Like uh, uh, Vargas could fight Pacquiao coming back and shit and shit like that. They don't have mandatories. Right, man. They need right. to put something in place for scary ass fighters though, or scary ass champions. I mean, like they, they need to do that across the board. They need to do that shit across the board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Stop I mean, that dumping shit, man. But as long as there's too much money to be made with, I mean, you got to think about it. There's a lot of money to be made with just. If you let, a, if you allow a fighter, if you're an organization, you're the head of an organization, you allow a fighter to duck a serious mandatory, um, for example, Danny Garcia ducking the shit out of Victor Postal, right, <laughs> and then he goes on and makes money fighting uh, Lamont Peterson, that's a win for your organization, even though it's supposed to be nonprofit, but we all know they make money under the table with these matchups. So, I mean, it's, ducking gives a lot of people in boxing more money. That's why we'll never eliminate ducking. And that's why they will allow Billy Ho, a.k.a. the motherfucking peanut butter hand man, to duck whoever the fuck he wants to duck because he gonna, he's try, they're trying to make money out of this dude. Uh, we called this shit a long time ago. We said as soon as this motherfucker, me and my boy Fess was like, my, my host, we was like, man, I, I have picked Billy Ho beating Andy Lee, but I hope to God Andy Lee won the fight. I was hoping he would win because I knew Billy Ho was going to hoard the fucking title. Me and Seth called that shit. And lo and behold, what is he fucking doing? He's not even fighting prospects, B. He's not even fighting prospects. That, 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 they're, 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 the WBL's like, hey, fight a, here you go, bro, fight Ben Affleck. Somebody, man, we got to get you in the ring. This motherfucker called the fight off. I can't stand this dude, man. He has been the number one guy. He used to be a Donna Stevenson. Now it's Billy Ho. I cannot stand this motherfucker in boxing. I can't stand this dude. And they need to take this nigga's belt, man. For real. They need to give it to somebody, not him. And the guy that would be his mandatory challenger is actually somebody that uh, is promoted by Luda Bella uh, and Kurt Seedy. Um, And he's anxious to get in there with a Gennady Golovkin. Oh, yeah. uh, Oh, yeah. He's a a little pit bull, man. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Billy Ho definitely doesn't want that work with this guy right now. Dude is real hungry. 
Um, I've seen a couple of, of his fights, and yeah, he, he he's he's no joke. Although he's a little pit bull in there, man, and uh, that that that's all I can say about his style. That's what it reminds me of, but just a little pit bull. He mauls the shit out of everybody I've seen him fight. He comes with it, you know. Um, and that's that's so one name to love in the. That's one name Golovkin is mum on, and I made a video about that not too long ago. He is mum as fuck on that name, B. Yeah, and, of course, yeah. Golovkin lovers are like, well, he's in negotiations with, with Danny Jacobs. No, motherfucker. <laughs> he, he, he's supposed to fight in December. Why the fuck can't he try to fight Kazersky? Because Kazersky hasn't fought since March or May of this year. He, and he's yeah. been vocal about Golovkin. He could have fought, fought Kazersky in December, but he chose not to. He's not even talking about this dude. Yeah, like motherfucker don't exist. <laughs> yeah, and he's yeah. definitely gonna. He's definitely gunning for Triple G. Um, he's been yeah. adamant about it. Um, you know, saying there, there's no denial in him. He wants Triple G. You know, saying yeah. that's just what it is. You know, saying yeah. that I, I can respect dude just just for that principle. You know, saying he want he wants the best. He wants the top dude. He he ain't even joking about the shit. You know, yep. so Billy Joe, cough it up, do something. You know what I'm saying? Do, you know what I'm saying? Do, do, do something, do something worthy of the rock. Most mm-hmm. comments are a joke. We're not gonna spend a lot of time on this one because we got a lot of other shit to get into. Um, on another note, you know, we got Terrence uh, Crawford's fight coming up uh, in in another week or so in Omaha on December 10th. Uh, Ray Beltran was scheduled to fight Baby Bull Juan Diaz on the undercard, which I thought was going to be a tremendous fight. Um, I was looking forward to seeing that shit, but Juan Diaz had to pull out recently, and it's looking like Mason Menard is uh, going to be the replacement belt with uh, Ray, Ray uh, Beltran. Uh, let me get you guys' initial thoughts on this replacement. Uh, I'll go ahead and start off with uh, the cool on this one. I'm not too uh, familiar with Mason Menard, but I mean, he, uh, Ray Braille trains a tough fight for anybody. Um, even though I would have favored one Diaz, uh, like I said, I can't speak too much on uh, Menard, but uh, like I said, it should be a good fight because you know Beltran is typically in good fights where you know it's good action. So. I mean, I'm pretty sure to be a worthy replacement. Um, if not, HBO wouldn't have selected him or approved him. So, let's see how it play out uh, December 10th. Yeah, uh, Menard, he's basically uh, a regional titleist, I guess you could say. Uh, yeah, he's got a nice little, a little, little workup on him behind him. You know, um, no big names, I guess, but. You know, like I said, he has a regional title uh, at that division, uh, 140, or actually uh, at lightweight, not super lightweight. So um, I'm not sure if that's going to be on the line against uh, Beltran or not. Uh, but, you know, he's 32-1, and one, uh, so we'll see how it looks. You know, young guy uh, going in against a veteran like Beltran. I'm expecting Beltran to, to out-school this kid and, you know, um, let me go ahead and pass it over to Bo. Okay, um, real big cool. Ray Beltran is a is 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 a is a tough out for anybody. But here's the thing: 
Drew K said this earlier about Curtis Stevens when his biggest win. The biggest win for Bernard Mason is a guy by the name of Bernardo. Bernardo was undefeated. That shit is fucking deceiving, people. It's motherfucking deceiving. If you Absolutely. look at the rest, if you look at the rest of Mason Menard's fighters, barely any motherfucker had winning goddamn records. Okay, we're talking motherfuckers. Right, we're talking motherfuckers with double-digit goddamn losses. Uh, okay, all right. And if you go back to his one loss, his one loss happened early in his career, and every since then they ain't put him in there with another motherfucker uh, 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 that type of caliber since motherfucking then. So, right, okay, this is a guy that's ranked 50th in the motherfucking world, and for some odd reason, he's ranked in the top seven in America. But to your point, uh, 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 Ray Beltran is is a tough out for anybody. I don't – now, as far as Juan Juan Diaz is concerned, listen, I get get what you're saying, Twan, and I'm not normally a guy that does this. I didn't want to fucking see Juan Diaz. I'm not going to. Yeah. I didn't want to see Juan. I, I didn't want to see Juan Diaz, man. I I I didn't want to see him when the motherfucker got washed by Marquez. That was it. His reaction and, yeah. and the way he did. That was it. I mean, that was. It. I didn't want to see Juan Diaz. Juan Diaz never to me looked like a conditionally trained boxer. He just looked like a dude that went into a gym and you know kind of bull his you know and kind of bull his way into fighting you. He never looked. Like he fit the boxer mode as far as I'm concerned. Now, I mean, I could be being harsh on him, but that's just me. He never looked like he fitted the boxer mode. He 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 never looked like. A, remember, he had one foot in, one foot out because he was in school trying to get a. He was he was in college trying to get education. Yeah, yeah he, in, he, got, he got a uh, law degree. Right, yeah. He had, he had so he had one foot in, one foot out. But um, um, I'm. I'm not going to look at Mason Menard's one victory over over undefeated opponent, and and this is fool's fucking gold, you guys. I got Ray Beltran, and he might watch this guy in one or two fucking rounds, and I'm just being honest with you, because there's nothing about Mason Menard's record that says anything to me that he can compete with Ray Beltran. <laughs> nothing at all, period. Uh, I, I'm sorry, but that's just how I feel. I mean, I mean, when you got five or six motherfuckers uh, maybe even more on your fucking resume with double digit losses. No, man. No, fam. I'm sorry, fam. I can't roll with that, man. I'm sorry. I can't. I mean, that shit you normally see in the first five or six fights of your career. I'm talking in your fucking 20th and 30th motherfucking fights. You're still fighting dudes like this? No, fam. I can't roll with that. I'm sorry. All right. I guess we can keep it short on that one as far as Mason Menard. Uh,. Yeah, you got a shout out on the, on our show, so big up to you, you buddy boy. You know. Juan Diaz, I don't know what the hell was your problem as far as being uh, replaced replacing this belt. Um, it was definitely a fight I think you needed to rejuvenate your career, um, especially as far as uh, being visible. So, um, yeah, good luck to you. Hopefully we will see you in the ring again uh, or in, in another opportunity like this on HBO. Um, as far as Beltran, you know, he's, he's had his opportunities. He's fought Car- the Crawfords of this world in, in, division, in, the, in that division. So, uh, you know, just another step for him. Uh, we're going to go ahead and kick it over to our next topic. Uh, 
We got uh, Bob Arum. He reported pay-per-view buys for uh, the Pacquiao fight, uh, which was in the 300,000 range. Um, Just a quick analysis from you guys. uh, What does that mean for boxing, Pacquiao, um, and just potential uh, a pay-per-view, you know, I know we've had some minor talks about this before, but uh, what do you guys think? What does this mean as far as a uh, pay-per-view in general uh, right now? Um, I'll go ahead and start with uh, Bernard on this one. Pacquiao needs to retire, or <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna keep it real. Pacquiao needs to retire, or he needs to go against Terrence, Terrence Crawford at 140. And go pass it to the young bull, or Bob Eddie needs to stop being on that bullshit and let him fight Adrian Broner. You, you, how long can you milk Pacquiao? I mean, let's <laughs> be honest. How long? I mean, I, we all stream that motherfucker fight. Why are we going to sit here like, I ain't like we talk to fight? We stream the shit. Or we watch somebody, <laughs> somebody else that bought it, some casual ass motherfucker bought it. Posted it on Facebook, we watch it through there. Allegedly, I don't because you know that is or whatever. But let's be honest though, man. I'm not gonna sit here and just say Bob Andy's going to stop bullshit, go throw him against some other world to wait, or throw him against Broner, get a big fight going on, and you know, he can make some more money. If he go if you gonna throw uh, Pacquiao out there, at least throw him to the wolves, man, get you some money out of it at least. You know what I'm saying? Now you're talking about I don't, you know what I'm saying? A potential fight with um the welterweight named Jeff Horn. Come on, really? Ain't nobody gonna buy that shit. Stop bullshitting, man. Either Pacquiao needs to retire, fight Terrence Crawford, fight Broner, or fight one of the other top welterweights in the division. And that's my uh, my uh, take on it. Shit. Yeah. Five, Ladies and gentlemen, Bernard just started dry stitching on people. Definitely struggling to uh find a replacement for uh Pacquiao. In that uh, pay-per-view replacement era, I guess he's trying with Crawford. Um, I'm not sure who else he's really trying to uh, prop up into that status of Pacquiao, um, but that's pretty much seems to be the holdup as far as letting him go and do his thing politically full-time. Um, it needs to happen, though, uh, especially, uh, you know, uh, as Bernard mentioned uh, Jeff Horn was re- mentioned as a opponent possibility for Pacquiao's next fight, which is uh, pretty ridiculous considering he also ducked Errol Spence Jr. Uh, so for him to get to get a possible fight with Pacquiao off of ducking Errol Spence is just ridiculous. Um, I'll go ahead and pass it over to Big Cool on this one. What's your take on it? Man, I don't know what it is, man. People just don't want to buy pay-per-views. And then you didn't have a fight, even though it's Pacquiao. I mean, nobody was craving for Pacquiao Barnier's fight. We knew what it was going into it, uh, and it's exactly what we thought it was. It was a bullshit-ass fight to give Pacquiao the title. I don't think he should retire, but I agree with Bernard. He does need to fight better in, in, uh, competition and, and new and new guys, different guys give us fresh matchups, but I think we're going towards the era where, you know, a lot of fans want boxing back on regular TV, you know, network television or primetime television, whatever I'm trying to say. 
like PBC, and I don't think a lot of people want to dish out um, $50, dollars $70 for, uh, you know, really one fight. Because that's what we all did last a couple of weeks ago, even though we didn't mind. But, I mean, if you're just going to give us that one great fight, just put it on HBO or Showtime or something, open up the budget more because y'all giving us one great fight with barely no promotion and a sorry-ass undercard and you're expecting us to dish out money, that's a big problem. So, I mean, fight better fighters, open up the budget more, um, and and go from there. But I'm not surprised that uh, Pacquiao's numbers didn't do as well because, like I said, it was a bullshit fight going in, and nobody wanted to see this fight. We wanted to see him and Terrence Crawford, but Bob Arum doesn't give a fuck about what the fans want, you know. So that's my thoughts on it, man. Um, let me get Bo's take on this just to get a, a spin, a different perspective. Uh, this was a uh, top brain doing the self promotion on this one, as far as uh, you know, they usually do a partnership with HBO. Um, so this was them actually doing the, uh, them a self promotion. Uh, does that look better for them uh, in terms of that, or uh, is it still just a minor, a minor event? you know, with the 300 pay-per-view buys. Well, that depends on how you look at it. But I just want to say shout-out to my partner over there for dry snitching. Uh, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> we all know we streamed it. Man, damn, nigga. <laughs> the FCC is going to be on all our asses in a minute. But um, uh, it depends on how you look at it. Now, if you look at it from this standpoint. I'm allegedly, motherfucker. Allegedly. <laughs> but uh, it depends on how you look at it. If you look at it from a standpoint of it did 300k at X amount of dollars and it didn't have to pay no type of promotional fees to HBO, and if you look at it like that, then in that instance, it could it could be uh, it could be considered good business. But 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 it also would explain why Pacquiao only got a guaranteed four million and the rest of his money was going to be predicated off what the pay-per-view numbers was. Um, so that's one way you can look at it. But you can also look at it like uh, pay-per-view is down, period, uh, like, like what Big Cool said, because uh, I'm not, I, I don't think it's a model of uh, people not wanting to put out money. I just think it's just a model of, you know, you've milked pay-per-view long enough now. You know, on top of, like you said, milking the fighters, You've milked the pay-per-view market long enough now when we know, the thing about technology is we know for a fact, like you said, you know, people can, allegedly, people can stream fights. Uh, allegedly, you can go to a bar and pay $10 and watch a motherfucking fight or, or go to a friend's house, you know, and watch a fucking fight, you know. So people are just not willing to shell out, you know, their money like that when there's other ways they know they can get access to a fight, period. And like you said, then when you look at PBC, when you get Earl Spence doing 6 million people watching them, or, or you got Thurman and Porter. I mean, people, you can complain about big stars not fighting, but at least you, you know when they fight, you know where you're going to see them at. You know you got – so uh, that also plays a part in it. But at the end of the day, let's make something clear. This top rank's going to do what top rank wants to do. Look, we see this shit all the time where they throw out names to fight Pacquiao Crawford. I heard Jeff Horn. I heard Lomachenko after he won, okay? They throw out these names like Pacquiao hasn't fought below 147, but all of a sudden he can go to 135 to fight fucking Lomachenko. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. You know, you know, shit like that. So, I mean, this is what they do. They throw out these feeders. They see what bites. 
and then they're going to do at the end of the day what they want to do. Because one thing I am desperately sure of, they're not going to put Pacquiao in a fight with someone outside of fucking top rank to pass over the flag of being a pay-per-view star. That's the one yeah. thing we're not yeah. going to see. We're not going to see him fight Adrian Broner, okay? Whoever he fights that's going to pass this torch is going to be a top rank fucking guy. That's the, you I bet your ass on that shit. It's going to be a top rank fucking guy. So, but yeah, I, I, I mean, can definitely agree with you there. That's a good yeah, point. Bro. Pacquiao yeah. definitely, Pacquiao definitely needs to retire because at the end of the day, um, and I said it before, two K said this and Seth, and I, I think we all agree on this. When you have like, and I hate to say this, but these older fighters. They have to get out the fucking game so these younger dudes can come along and show us what they got. They just have to fucking do that, man. Yeah, you have to what, uh, yeah. what Bob has over Pacquiao said, they got him coming back, you know, for this bullshit. You know, you're Vargas and, you know, possibly against Jeff Horn. Like, well, what, what is it that got you? What is he milking out of you? You know what I'm saying? Uh, we can't get a real fight out of you. Um, and the whole time he's paying attention to Pacquiao, Bradley hasn't fought. Brandon Rios hasn't fought. There's a lot of dudes in that stable that hasn't fought because why? His main focus is Pacquiao. Yeah, Brandon, you know, his, his main focus is, 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 is Pacquiao. Trying to build him up. I mean, yeah, he's talking yeah, about the champion. Yeah, fucking, like I said, he's yeah. trying to build the next pay-per-view star and, uh, and love right. the Chinko. And, uh, and the only and reason I why guess, Terrence Crawford is only reason why Terrence Crawford is fighting is because Gennady Golovkin and Jacobs couldn't get made. That's the only reason why Terrence Crawford is fighting. Basically, you know, um, so he's trying to build his next pay-per-view star, and I guess that's what he's got holding over his head is that he ain't got nobody to replace Pacquiao at the moment that could uh, replace that uh, demand, you know, as far as fighters. Um, so I guess that that will bring us over to our uh, our next topic. Uh, we could do our divisional spotlight considering uh, the fight passed. Uh, the 175-pound division, uh, light heavyweight. Um, what do you guys make of it, man? It's, uh, I think it's a pretty uh, intriguing division. Um, not probably the whole top ten, but just within the top five. Um, there's some, some pretty intriguing things, I guess, intriguing matchups I guess you could make. Um, I'll go ahead and pass it on to TK. Um What's your take on on that division uh, in 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 aftermath of uh, of Ward and Kovalev as well? So you know, in that perspective, I mean, I think it's I think it's kind of light. Um, the addition of Ward makes it intriguing. Let's take Ward out of there. It's it's light. The only uh, matchups we really care yeah, about. Yeah, like, like I said, it's pretty much top five. You know, it's not a top ten thing, top five, like I was saying. The only matchups we really only care about seeing without Ward would be, you know, Kovalev Stevenson or maybe Kovalev Beater Viez. That's really about it. Um, one of the guys that that I like a lot that a lot of people aren't talking about, he, he, he got popular because he was the guy that they wanted uh, to use, he was the next guy <laughs> that they wanted to use uh, as the guy that Andre Ward was ducking, and that's Vyacheslav Shabransky. That's the guy who's getting ready to fight Sullivan Beretta, uh, I believe, in what, December 16th. Um, yes, I think he's. 
he, he's a very good fighter, Bryson uh, Vlasovic. Very good boxer. You know what I'm saying? He's he's very fundamentally sound. By the way, Bo, I think he beat Sullivan Barreta. <laughs> um, just especially by the way he did Unieski Gonzalez. Gonzalez and Barreta aren't that much different in terms of style. And Shabransky pretty much embarrassed the shit out of Gonzalez. Um, the only difference would be that I think, uh, you know, Beretta is a bigger guy. He's naturally a cruiserweight, honestly, that's squeezing himself into a 175-pound frame. Um, but other than that, he's pretty much uh, the same as Unieski Gonzalez. But Shabransky's a good fighter. Southern Barrera is another good fighter. Um, Joe Smith Jr., man, he's got that fight with Bernard Hopkins. If he fucks around and... You know, he can't beat Bernard Hopkins without knocking him out. So if he fucks around and knocks Bernard Hopkins out, something that's never been done before, he will immediately catapult himself in possibly the top four uh, light heavyweight fighters in the division. So, I mean, it's it's a, it's, it's more of a, um, a division of what if. Let me put it that way. Uh, yeah, Nathan Cleverly's. Yeah, if Nathan Cleverly's really back to form, I mean, Jurgen Bramer's not really a fight to say, hey, Nathan Cleverly's back, guys. Um, he probably needs to get in the ring with somebody else. Uh, I actually like the matchup between Nathan Cleverly and um, Gavazic, Alexander Gavazic, the guy that beat uh, Isaac Chalimba on the Ward um, Kovalev card. I like that matchup for Gavazic. Um, something like that. You know, it, it, we really need to, like, like Big Fusa, we really need to wait and see who actually turns up the heat, who becomes the guy to be the next talked-about motherfucker besides Ward, Kovalev, and Stevenson. So I, I think it's kind of light. I could definitely agree with you there. Uh, um, I'd like to see uh, Gavazic in there against somebody, though. Um, he's probably one of the more interesting names in that division outside of Bitter Bia, uh right now that you could go to. Uh as far as making intriguing matchups with uh, within that that minor uh, range of division, you know, between the Alvarezes and stuff like that, um, you know, like you know, we still got Fontarez a name out there as well. So let's not eliminate him. Um, he's still he's still going to be out there. Uh, Shabransky, Barrera, like you said, that's going to be a pretty good fight to to see where the division is. Um, or just to get a gauge of where where people are in that division, that's going to be an excellent matchup for that. So um, I'm actually looking forward to that fight and seeing what Chabransky and Burr have to offer. Uh, Burr is under a new trainer. He left uh, Angel or not uh, Abel. He left Abel Sanchez uh, after the Andre mm-hmm. Ward loss. So uh, just interesting to see where he's going with his career, you know, after that and how all that pans out. Uh, I think the division of jump won a lot of guys from 168 move up uh, to 175. Yeah, yeah. Uh, any names in particular you think at 168? Um, I guess that we've been hearing, but do Jack, you know, he he may be the move moving up to 175 after the Miguel fight. Um, I want my I, I want my well, Andre to move up, man. I'm still I still got hope for Andre Durrell, man. I had seen an article. I agree with that, Big Cool. I I had seen an article um, before they announced the the negotiations between Badu Jack and James Miguel. James Miguel is actually trying to go up and fight Adonis Stevenson. I had seen an article on that. That's a good uh, fight. With, 
James Miguel's word saying that he's looking at that fight. So I, I actually think James Miguel might be looking to get up uh, at 175, possibly more than Bobby Jack, um, just because he's already been in the tabloids talking about it. So, but 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 who knows? Yeah, I I agree. I think that's an excellent fight, man. I I'll love to see that shit. Yeah. That definitely that's an intriguing fight when you think about it, I man. Explosiveness and athletic ability of speed versus the skills of uh the game, man, that'll be a good fight. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh um I'm kinda hoping we see some movement on uh Ward and Stevenson, even though we know it's not gonna happen. Um, I just, I'm I'm intrigued in seeing that they can be made just because like I said, I was impressed with Adana Stevenson fighting on the inside against Thomas Williams. Um, so I would love to see that play out against Andre Ward possibly. Um, or see if that would be something that would play out into to their matchup if Ward wasn't able to control it with a jab from the outside. Um so yeah, I'm I'm kinda I wanna see some some movement on that matchup made and I definitely think Ward needs to, to go ahead and take that showtime route, you know, being that his contract with HBO is up and they tried to do him dirty with the whole Kovalev fight, um, even with the rematch clause. Uh, you know, I think they tried to – they're trying to set him up still, you know. Hey, hey, um, let me ask you a question, uh, not to stray too far off topic, uh, but do you think uh, Stevenson is a tougher fight for uh, Kovalev? I mean, than, than Kovalev Wait. was for Ward? No, absolutely not. Absolutely uh, not. Okay. Okay. Do I think do I think Stevenson is a tougher fight for Ward than Kovalev? Yeah. Um. Nah. I I I I can't say so. I think the only thing that makes it more intriguing is is the inside part of it. You know that we we won't we know Adonis won't clinch up like that, and that he'll actually exchange on the inside with Ward. So that, that, that's what uh, get a beat. That, that's what get a beat. I think it's explosiveness kind of can, you know, early in the fight. He's not smart enough, guys. Yeah, yeah, he's not smart enough. You know, War, War will be able to the uh, time him with something or set him up with something on the inside. But I'm just saying, I know. Uh, Stevenson wouldn't shy away from him on the inside the way Kovalev did, or you know, as far as clinching and all that shit. Um, yeah. So that that's all. I'm like, it's something like it, it's more intriguing for me to see that part of the matchup as opposed to you know the outside where I know Ward is going to dominate him and control him with his jab. You know, jab to the body, jab to the head. You know, I, I can predict that kind of thing happening against Adonis. On the inside is where I would be interested in seeing what what goes on in the fight more than anything. Um, I think I think um, it probably turns to a, a, a thrashing. I mean, Stevenson gasses mentally and physically, but I mean, you don't want to do that against Warren. Like, you never know. Every dog has his day, and he is explosive and athletic and, and has some. You know, decent hand speed. So, you know, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, so that said, let's go on into this uh review for the past weekend, man. Uh, yeah, me and TK were talking about this one earlier a little bit. Uh, the Phil Lomachenko versus Nicholas Walters review. Uh. 
pretty interesting fight. Um, yeah, I, I don't even know what to make of it, man. Um, I'm going to put the 2K last on this one, though, just so we can do our thing. Uh, I'll start off with Bo on this one. What, what was your, your thoughts on this fight? Uh, damn, man. I'm going to try to control my, my, my temper and my emotion because it's been – the last two weeks has been a lot of fucking bullshit and fuckery going on as, as far as uh, social media is, is concerned. But, look, Nicholas Walters came into this fight not even wanting to fucking fight. Well, actually, let me, let me, let me, actually, actually, Bo, let me cut you off before before we get started. Let me let me bring up something else. Because okay. we talked about this fight beforehand when it was first mentioned what was going on, you know, as far as the fight being mm-hmm. announced and that it was being made. We talked about this, and uh, Bo made a good point. I had asked him about with 11 months being off, Nicholas Walters being off close to a year. What did he think? And Bo pretty much went out on went out and said, you know, with 11 months off, no, it's not happening against this caliber of a fighter. So he said this from Jump Street. So go ahead, Bo. I'm gonna let you go ahead and get in and get into more. Okay. Um... Nicholas Walters, when I saw the purse, the purse was, and this goes back to something 2K said way back when the fight was supposed to happen. When I saw the purse, and uh, Lomo got a million, and Walters only got 300K. Now, remember, supposedly, for this fight. Right, for this fight. Now, supposedly, way back then, it was a 50 50 split split, that he was going to get 500K. And remember, it was Lomachenko said, I'll give you 300K of my purse. And 2K said back then that that nigga ain't making no 500K. He's making more than that. Because ain't no way you're going to give up 300K and all you're going to take home left is 200K. So when I saw the purse of this fight, I said, Walters just took this fight because he, he needed some motherfucking money. He wanted to pay that. Dude ain't fought in over a year. His last fight, I think, when he fought Sosa, he got over 100 grand. He feel like he got screwed. He feel like he, he feel like he got screwed. He feel like he didn't get paid. Um, he was going to leave top rank. He threatened to leave top rank, didn't leave him, okay? Then, you know, he got screwed out the Sosa fight, and they offered him this fight at 300 k So going into this fight, when I saw that purse and I looked at all that, I said, this dude, I said, he, he was mentally checked out before the fight happened. I'm looking at them uh, when they was talking to him and doing the meet and greet, and he's, he's hugging Lomachenko like he was his long-lost fucking brother and shit. I mean, he's being nice to him, smiling. I'm like, this dude, this, this dude ain't ready to fight mentally. He ain't ready to fight mentally at all. Now, I take nothing away from Lomachenko. He went in there. He did his thing. He was masterful in what he did. I'll give him props for all of that. I'm not taking nothing away from what he did. I'm talking about what I saw out of Nicholas Walters, okay? He, um, he checked out. That's plain and simple to me. He checked out. Uh, then he blamed the inactivity, uh, which – I'm not taking, again, we've seen this before with the inactivity. For some odd reason, I don't, I don't give a fuck what people say to me, top rank has this thing. When you don't tell that fucking top rank status quo, they're going to teach you a goddamn lesson. And this is exactly what happened because you can't explain, you can't tell me why Nicholas Walters hadn't had a fight in all this time. He had no promotion issues. The motherfucker wasn't injured. Okay? There weren't even rumors of a possible fight for Nicholas Walters. They just you threw him right in there with, with Lomachenko. And again, taking that away from Lomachenko, but I said, like Twan said then, 
the fact that he's been off all this time against Lomachenko's skill set, hell no, he's not going to beat him. And we saw and we and we saw that. He, during the fight, he never maintained foot position. So Lomachenko was able to hit and move because he had superior foot position. The two times that Walters had found some success with going to the body and cracking, he had better foot. He, he, had, uh, he had gained better foot position. His, his foot was out, his lead foot was outside of Lomachenko's lead foot. So he can move in better and move around. But, I mean, he just checked out. Bob Aram, Bob Aram wanted to teach this motherfucker a lesson. I, 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 I'm sorry. Now, I'm not saying it's a conspiracy theory or he was bought, but Bob Aram wanted to teach this motherfucker a lesson. He did not let this dude fight all this time for no reason that we are given. Okay, again, he wasn't hurt. He had no promotional issues. All right? Now, for those who say that we, you know, we coming down to him for quitting, here's my biggest problem. You are a fighter. You go down on your shield. That's how you're supposed to go down. When I'm seeing guys with over the bones and bad shoulders and shit, you know, when, when I saw Jay Berto fight five rounds with a bad shoulder, when we saw Kale Brooks with an over the bone still come out and fight, like, come on, man, you're supposed to go out on your shield. Now, you can sit and you can tell me shit about well, you don't know what it's like when you get hit and you get punched at, you know, whatever, whatever. I'm not saying that it's fucked up. I'm saying me personally, depending on how you are, I'm one of those dudes I don't like catch that quick. I, I just don't fucking like that. And because he did quit, it's going to be a cross he's going to have to bear. Now, he can he come back from this? Yeah, Vitaly Klitschko was able to come back from this. Vitaly Klitschko quit on the stool against Chris Bird, and he was able to come back from this. But it's going to make it that much harder. And then, you know, the excuse that he gave, blaming, like, he blamed HBO on national TV. Do you think the top brands at HBO is going to appreciate that shit? No, they're not. So, I mean, it, it, it was bad all the way around. Take nothing away from Logan Taker's performance. But Nicholas Walters checked out. He felt like, you know, hey, I'm, I, I'm getting fucking pennies. I didn't get a fight. He did not come prepared to fight. I, don't, I think from Jump Street, like I said, going back to the way he was greeting and smiling and treating Lomachenko like a brother and all that, I don't think he ever had any intentions on really trying to put in a fight. This dude mentally fucking checked out, and it, it really bothers me because I never saw this. I, I never thought Nicholas Walters would do something like this. I just never thought he'd do it. But, you know, again, hats off to Lomachenko. He gave one the performance. You know, I, I would have had Lomachenko. I mean, it would have been a more 50, it would have been a more even fight had he been busy. But don't make the excuse to me that inactivity is the reason why you didn't look good. You know, don't make the excuse because you knew you was inactive when you signed to take this goddamn fight. So, you know, it is what it is. I'm going to keep a lot of things to myself because there's a lot of things that's being said, you know, and, it's, and, and for some reason it seems like when you say something, when you're criticizing or you're critiquing a fighter about people's favorite fighter, they fucking think you're hating on the motherfucker. I'm not hating on the dude. I'm just criticizing well, what the fuck I saw. Yourself, man? Well, you're <laughs> yourself, you What the fuck is that? How you yeah. keep be, it to yourself? Be your mind, nigga. Yeah, no, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, well, okay, 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 fine, fuck it. Don't be a little bit, bro. Okay, fine. <laughs> you, you, hold, 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 wait a minute. Time out. Pause. Pause, nigga. Pause. <laughs> But no, um, listen, the bottom line is, um, I said this last time, and I I meant this. We saw it again with HBO. The commentary for the war fight was totally fucking different when it came to this goddamn fight. Okay? It was totally fucked. All of a sudden, HBO had the most, uh, uh, most prestigious respect for fucking fighters and boxers and movers like Lomachenko, all those fucking Sutton. They had this. Mm-hmm. You saw this again when Rizzo fought 
on the car, uh, Cotto Canelo on the car. They crucified this motherfucker. But then when Fury and, and, and Guthrisco fought a week later, the commentary totally fucking different for a fight that was even worse. Okay? So when I said this before, agenda-driven mainstream motherfucking media got to fucking go. It's got to go. Is Lomachenko a talent? Yes, Lomachenko is a talent, okay? Is Lomachenko skillful? Yes, he's ain't nobody taking nothing away from his performance. But do not tell me how is a guy like Lomachenko in his second and third fight got title shots in both fights and the same detour and rhetoric about resume and who he fought to get these title shots was not there. But when it comes to Earl Spence, that's all the fuck I hear is about his resume and shit. How is a guy like Lomachenko can get back-to-back title fights in the second and third fight after losing, but when it comes to a guy like fucking uh, uh, um, uh, uh, Earl Spence, I got to hear about his resume and who he fought. Why is it always like that in this motherfucking sport? If, if, we, if, we not, if we're not going to be fair and I'm biased, just shut the fuck up. Just shut the fuck up. Just shut the fuck up and, 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 and let this sport go to where it's going to go. What? I mean, it, it was like that with Terrence Crawford to a certain extent too. You know, people he had, I forgot who he fought before he fought uh, Postal. People was like, I, right, I, 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 yeah, I mean, Terrence, listen, Terrence Crawford. Look, the the only reason why I even uh, the only reason why I I like doing this panel and I fucks with y'all is at the at the end of the day we can at least fucking we call this shit straight down the fucking line. Now, do do sometimes do we let emotion get in there? Yeah, but when it happens, that's that's when one of the other motherfuckers in this panel will check you about that. But this shit right here, this is some fucking bullshit to me. It's 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 some fucking bullshit. Top right gets away with doing the kind of shit that they do. Nobody say nobody say fucking nothing. Okay, but when it comes to like PBC and, and TMT and all that shit, oh man, you can't get nothing here about the fucked up shit that's going on. So this shit was yeah. done to Nicholas Wall. I I really feel like this was a smack to Nicholas Walters for refusing to follow the top rank status goddamn quote. And that's the yeah. reason why he was set out this goddamn long and then thrown in there without being prepared. Now, at the end of the day, though, you signed that dotted line, you signed that contract, you're just going into this fight, so I don't want to fucking hear it. But you, you, you can't not look at this. Brandon Rio said the same thing. I'm retired, man. I'm not fighting. I'm retired. Because he beat Alvarado, then he put him in the for another eight fucking months. And you threw him in there with fucking Timothy Bradley. Okay? And so this is, this, this is what they do to their fighters. So motherfuckers talk to me about Al Heyman. This is top right and do this shit to their fighters. They got a history of it. Miguel Cotto had the same fucking complaint. Marquez had the same goddamn complaint. They got a history of doing this shit to fighters. You know, but when you bring, but when you bring it up, right? But but when you bring it up and say something, oh, you hate no, I ain't hate no nobody. I'm bringing up the fucking facts if you fucking look at it. You gonna see what you want to see. You you ain't gonna see what you don't want to see. So, you know, it is what it is. But at the end of the day, congratulations, Lomachenko. But Nicholas Walters, he he checked out long before this fucking fight took place. Yeah, one of my my boys, funny guy, my boy said said Nicholas Walters quick to get to the strip club for midnight. But I mean, I mean, I don't, like I said, it was. I thought that you know, going to this fight, coming in off eleven months, pretty much a year, he had no chance. I thought I gave him a good chance, but I didn't think you know it would be in his favor, especially you know going against a guy skilled as Lomachenko, um, that he would have to have a fast start, and he just didn't do it. I mean, I mean, he just looked like a guy that that was rusty, not to take anything away from Lomachenko, but I mean, he is skillful, but. I'm not gonna be on this dick and be like, oh, he he he's unbeatable and he's this and he's that. But I mean, he's skillful. 
But, you know, I agree with a lot of what you were saying, Bo. I mean, it just it didn't seem right. Man, and Walter, I, I had no idea the personals what Bo was saying as far as him taking only 300000 for this fight as opposed to what was offered the first time. So you're saying he took less for this fight as opposed to what was offered. 200K less. 200K less. Nicholas Walters got one mil. I mean, uh, uh, Lomachenko got one year. Me and and 2K were going into this a little earlier uh, as far as what we we thought was going on as far as uh, this whole fight. And it kind of only brings that more into prominence now, you know, that you're telling us the actual purse that was settled on for this fight. So, man, yeah, this this is pretty ridiculous. Um, if you look at the fight, I was actually there covering it for who jabbed. Uh, man, uh, I'll go ahead and pass it over to somebody else on this one. I, I'll, I'll start off with I'll let Bernard go, and uh, I'll finish off with TK because I know we had an interesting back and forth going off earlier, so we'll go ahead and conclude on that one. Uh, so go ahead, Bernard. What were your thoughts on the fight? Um. One-sided. It was a one-sided fight. I, I'm going to sit here and say this. I understand you didn't Nicholas Walters didn't fight for a whole year, but ain't the model in boxing is stay ready so you won't have to get ready. Now he should at least been in the gym. Should have been consistent on working out or whatever. I think there was a picture that that came out once the fight broke out that you, you, you saw Nicholas Walters a little bit blown up, you know, so I don't know if him trying to make weight played a role in this or not. I'm not making excuses either. He should have stayed ready, you know what I'm saying? But from the piggyback on what Bo said with Bob Aaron and everything, if I was Nicholas Walters right now, I'll finish my contract out with um, top rank and I'll go to Al, Al Haven. Man, see, this is hold on, Bernard. Let me let me hold you hold off there. Now, this is the thing. Nicholas Walters had the opportunity to lead top rank recently. I want to say okay. just as recently as the Jason Sosa fight. Like he resigned with them for Jason Sosa and all that bullshit. Like he could have left them then. So I'm like, it was bad business then for him to resign with top rank. This was something that I had been talking about a long time ago. Like, he should not have resigned with top rank, period. So, I don't I, I don't know what it is. I don't think people – I don't know what is up with these boxes. I don't know what top rank be telling them. They must be telling them a whole bunch of lies. But apparently, apparently they're able to keep certain fighters up in that stable. I mean – because this is the thing, he was still at 126 at the time, and you got to think at that time, who had the most fighters at 126? Fucking PDC, fucking Gary Russell, Leo Santa Cruz, yeah, fucking Frampton was just moving up. You know what I'm saying? Like they had all the guys at 126, and fucking uh, Lomachenko was the only guy that Walters could have fought at 126 with top rank. You know what I'm saying? And we knew that that, that fight wasn't going to go down initially. You know what I'm saying? At first, it wasn't going to go down. So I'm like, there's the only other chance that he has for big fights is going to get the PBC guys at 126. He ends up moving to 130 after that. 
But I'm like, you know, he shouldn't have resigned with top rank even then, you know. Um, that that was my whole stance. But go ahead, Bernard. Uh, I mean, no, he should. I mean, I don't know what his contract looks like right now, but at this point, he needs to either a finish his contract out or figure out how some way to breach and void the contract and go to top rank. I mean, go to Al Heyman, excuse me, or something because Aaron's bad business practices is really much being are bad for fighters' careers. We saw what happened with. Again, we go with Brandon Rios. We saw what happened. He was it, it was more it was more than eight months. I gotta give or take. He didn't fight till from January to December. And when you put him in December, you fed him to Timothy Bradley. We thought he was gonna fight Kell Brooks. We thought he was gonna fight. I think even Diego Chavez. I may be wrong on that one, but you thought there was a couple fights coming up. Just look at how many people fighters have sued Bob Aaron. Hell, Mikey Garcia just finally got his contract and able to fight under the PPC match. So look at Julio Cesar Chavez. He's uh, he left top rank. You know what I'm saying? Not a fight I would like you, but that's another example. So I'm just basically saying he just needs to, whatever he needs to do, he needs to get away from Bob Aram, man. And uh, I believe if he gets away from Bob Aram, gets with Al Heyman, he can redeem his career. You know what I'm saying? And if anything, he needs to definitely do is. He needs to get back in the ring with Lomachenko and see if he could knock his head off and redeem that. You know what I'm saying? That's another thing. Loma ain't gonna give Loma ain't gonna give him that shit. The the damn negotiation uh, uh, requirements gonna be even more ridiculous. Than oh yeah, yeah. Fucking man, he made a million for the, he made a million for this shit. Are you fucking serious? Well, think about this, no. fellas. Think about this, fellas. They said, Top Rank has not yet been criticized. For the fact that Orlando Salido said he'll fight Lomachenko, okay, nope. but you know he wants more money, and Lomachenko manager said, "Fuck him, we don't need him. He's moving on." They did not get yep. criticized for that. They did not get criticized for that. Yeah, you know why? Lomachenko's the golden boy. He's the golden this boy. Is all They're not bad. Gonna and him and when you see. And the 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 comparisons that fucking Bob Aaron was making to fucking Lomachenko and Ali, and you look at this motherfucking fight, and I'm like, I'm seeing some of the things I'm seeing from people. It wasn't it wasn't what you guys think you saw. But man. I want like I, I'm just like it, it wasn't that man. Like I want to the seventh seven, the seventh round was the one round that you could be like, okay, yeah, it was just. Yeah, he clowned his ass in the seventh round. The first six rounds was just some straight up amateurish. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it wasn't. Yeah, like it, it wasn't. It wasn't what you guys think it was. I'm like Walters has been out 11 months. You know, and I'm like I asked him before the fight because you know I was covering this shit. And I asked him, would the 11 months be bad? You know, was it bad timing? And he's like, it's always a good time, you know? So I'm like, he he, he didn't think, I'm guessing he's saying it wasn't going to be a factor. So then to hear him say this shit after the fight, you know, I'm kind of disappointed to hear him say that shit. I'm kind of disappointed as a a Caribbean myself, you know what I'm saying, to see him fucking quit. But you know what I'm saying? 
the the odds were stacked against him. When I'm hearing this fucking the the whole purse thing, and he knew he needed to knock out the win, he wasn't going to win the decision. And you knew the first out of first his rounds was going. It wasn't like Lomachenko was just doing anything necessarily great. You know, saying the whole angling and pivoting, all that shit wasn't really necessarily a factor to me looking at the fight personally. Um, I don't know, man. Yeah, it it really looks like, you know, me and 2K had this conversation earlier. Fucking Bob, did Bob put his ass on timeout for not fucking taking this fight earlier? You know what I'm saying? Um that is the only fucking explanation. There is no reason for him not to have had a fight since against anybody. That's bullshit. No fucking, no fucking talk against anybody. There, there, there's no real explanation for it, man. And me and TK fucking was talking about this earlier. Bob put his ass on timeout for not taking his fight and gave him this chump change. You know what I'm saying? Fucking Nicholas just had a fucking baby this year. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, man, it's just too much, man. I don't know. 2K, let me get your thoughts on it. This panel, what we were talking about earlier, I said we were going to go into it. Let me get your thoughts on this, on this fight because I'm like, even on the, on the fight itself, because it wasn't like Loma did anything that spectacular until the seventh round. <laughs> to where you felt like Nicholas Walters was overwhelmed and it still wasn't like he was out of the fight. You know, he just didn't put up an effort. So um, I'll uh, let TK speak on it. Well, start from the beginning. At, at 126, man, we, we used to talk about this fight all the time, you know, Walters, Lomachenko, and Rigo. And at 126, I never thought Walters could beat Lomachenko, not at 126. Um, but at 130, that was always like the – the uh, the advantage that I thought Walters had. Um, people would ask me, like, what was my take on the fight, man? I'll give them my assessment on both fighters, but I didn't make a prediction. And the reason why I didn't is because I wanted to wait and see what was going to happen in the fight, and I wanted to see the fan reaction. It was so fucking obvious to me that Nicholas Walters not fighting since December of last year, which was which ended up being a draw, <laughs> And then he comes in November of this year, 11 months later, over 11 months later, and he jumps in the ring with one of the best fighters pound for pound in, in the world right now with no fucking tune-up, that that was an obvious flaw. It's going to be an obvious disadvantage. Also, we saw one month out before the fight that Nicholas Walters walked into the ring. Or, uh, I'm sorry, Nicholas Walters took a picture. The nigga was like 237,000. Uh, at the media day, uh, uh, media workout, he looked okay hitting the miss with his pops. But, man, it, it, it's, it's just so many anomalies that were obvious that could tell us, hey, this guy's not 100%. You know what I'm saying? I didn't watch any of the weigh-in. I didn't watch a lot of the, the build-ups of the fight. But going into the fight, like you said, Tuan, I'm watching Loma, bro. First of all, he's standing right in front of Nicholas Walters. He's right there in front of him, okay? Um he has absolutely no head movement. 
He has his hands are low. <laughs> he doesn't keep his hands very high. In spurts, he does. Whenever he's going to attack, that's when you see him bring his hands up. But when he's not attacking, a lot of the time he brings his hands low. You saw that a lot in the second half of the fight, or or at least after the fourth round, he started dropping his hands low because he was getting cocky all night long. All night long, and I mean from round one to round seven, the fucking straight right hand was there. Loma's guard was so open for the straight right hand that if he would have just thrown it, Walters would have just thrown it, landed flush, it could have changed the fight. But he was so... You got to be TK, that's an intellectual thing, too. You know what I'm saying? As far as fighting against Southpaws, you know, uh, that's something that's from the school. I won't say the school of Mayweather because it comes from before that. But, you know, that's something you got to you gotta know mentally from seeing stuff yeah. like that. You know what I'm saying? That it comes from that kind of school of thought. But, you know, I, I right. definitely agree because I actually saw Walters land a straight right against Loma in the fight, and I was like, why wasn't he using it more? You know, right. uh, but go ahead. He landed tonight right yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah, y'all, both, y'all are both right. That was late. I know exactly what, time, what, what a right hand you're talking about. And that's when me and my host were like, it's about fucking time, nigga. You know what I'm saying? But, yeah. Um, dude, Loma's, Loma's angles and shit, I was not impressed. Okay, because Walters was actually turning him. Exactly. It wasn't a factor at all, him doing his pivoting and all that. It wasn't a factor in, any, in anything I saw. Yeah. Multiple times up against the, the ropes, and multiple times in the middle of the ring, Lomachenko would try to move to his right, and Walters would move with him and turn Lomachenko. But he just could not pull the trigger on the right hand. And actually, a lot of those times when he's actually turning Loma, dude, I swear to God, he could have landed at least three quick punches on Loma. To something to the body, to the body. Yeah, yeah, to the body. He landed some yeah, nice he, to the body, too. Yeah. He didn't throw it because, in my opinion, he was rusty, he was off balance, and it was the inactivity. I- I'll give you an example. He threw a right hand one of them rounds, right? He was in a wide stance, and he threw a right hand, and the nigga, like, stumbled forward after he missed the right hand. That's how off balance Nicholas Walters was. I mean, it was terrible. It was like looking at a guy <laughs> ring for the first time in, like, five years, so. Like this was this was not an even matchup by any stretch of the imagination, in my opinion. Um, Loma did well dispatching of Walters because he should have done it, given the logistics surrounding this fight, right? But when you look at Loma as a whole, if you just don't, just fucking don't look at Walters, but look at what Loma was doing, there's a lot of flaws that tell me that there are possibly guys that could give Loma trouble from 140 all the way down to 126. And then I'm going to say 122, you know, with uh, Rigo being there, if he ever moves up. A lot of these guys can give Loma trouble. I see a lot of motherfuckers jumping the gun. Shout out to my man Bernard, a.k.a. Mr. Fuckery. My man came out with that goddamn post with a motherfucker saying that Loma beats everybody right now. And he should be, you know, pound for pound number one, and, and he's the reason why Mayweather's not coming back, and he'll knock out Terrence. Get the fuck out of here. What fight did y'all niggas watch? Do y'all not watch 
fighters and break them down, man? Or do you just watch the fight and think <laughs> that? The fuck you look at? I, I mean, Roy, 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 Roy Jones Jr. Roy Jones Jr. said he was number two pound for pound right now, and I'm like, are you fucking serious, my well, dude? Well, we Roy don't know Roy for HBO, got... man. He worked for HBO. Roy, That's exactly. He worked for HBO, and that motherfucker got brain damage. I'm not worried about his assessment <laughs> on anything. You know what I'm saying? But I'm looking at Loma. I'm like, dog, look at these fucking flaws, nigga. Like, y'all don't see that shit? And, and then I got to tell myself, you know what? They don't see it because they don't know how to break a fucking fight down. So I, that's why I'm always like, all right, let me stay out of it. These niggas don't know what they're talking about. We gonna, the, day, the day has already come. He already lost Orlando Salido, and if he does rematch Orlando Salido, he'll fucking lose again probably, okay? <laughs> because that particular style beats his style. Okay, he's not he's not defensively sound enough to keep the aggressor and the bigger guy off of him. He will probably beat him again in a rematch. That's not why they're not either. trying to get this nigga his money. Exactly. And then this is another thing. I'm hearing Lomachenko has power. No, he doesn't. <laughs> Yo, he's I'm fighting done. WB. He's fighting WBO <laughs> opponents. Yeah, man, it's it, it, it's out of control, man. It's I mean, I like Lomachenko. He's in my pound for pound top ten. Now I have him at number nine. I like. Let him. Me, I, I like. Him. He's a great fighter, great talent. You know what I'm saying? You can't deny his skills. But let's just stop with the overhyping, man. This is getting ridiculous. Overhyping yeah, the yeah. European me, fighters. Man. The, the, Muhammad, the, the Muhammad Ali thing was too much from Bob, man. Uh, he oversold it. You know what I'm saying? Like that. That was just too much. It didn't see that, you know. Wait a minute, fellas. It, it, it's, 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 it's still very amateurish, you know what I'm saying? Like, you still see it's an amateur style at the end of the day. Yep. You know what I'm saying? You know, the since around that I saw, that's what it panned out to be was an amateur style. You know, um, and Walter's just not pulling the trigger. You know, Walter so. didn't come to fight at all, bro. He didn't come to fight at all. You know, according to Bob Adams, uh, Tanko is a more complete fighter than Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, I ain't worried about that. He shit on Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. I bet if that was Floyd, um, fighting a Salido, he'd have whooped his ass. Well, he was 30 pounds or whatever. I mean, he ain't worried about what. Well, you know I'm, talking, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about if he was his second pro fighter. I mean, I don't think he would have had trouble with Salido. That's what I'm saying. Compared to that, oh. you know, the younger boys, too. I guess from what they're saying there. Yeah, either. I mean, Floyd, complete fighters don't lose to Salido. Exactly. Exactly. Especially with that. Especially with Lomachenko's style. If you're defensively sound with Lomachenko's style, you're supposed to cruise against Salido-type fighters. But the fact that he's not defensively Sound. That's why he loses those fights. That's why he it's loses. Like he's fucked fucked too. It's like yeah. fuck, man. I wasn't impressed with his fight uh, against uh, on the undercard of Mayweather Pacquiao. I thought I, maybe I'm the only one, but dude was giving him uh, some hell on the inside of that. Dude. I just think when he go up against a guy that's bigger, you know, and it's skillful, I think he's gonna take another hell. That's just me, but yeah. I mean, he good, but I mean, I'm not about to be. Bragging on him. Yeah, his resume ain't that good either. I mean, he fought Martinez, who 
had two fights with Salido, two wars, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, if you notice the things that he that he does against those C level fighters that he fought. Um, I mean, you really look at his resume. All he's fought is, I mean, he he's got seven fights. I mean, Nicholas Walters is on there now, but before Nicholas Walters, it was it was just really Gary Russell Jr. I mean, Roman Martinez is a, a three time champion at at 130 pounds, but he's one of those champions, those those, those multiple champions that are actually B level fighters at best. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like a Nate Campbell. You know, Nate Campbell wasn't an elite fighter, but he was a multiple champion. You know what I'm saying? That, that Juan Diaz is another one. He was a multiple champion, but he's definitely, definitely not an elite fighter. Probably B minus at best. That's what Roman Martinez was. So he's not a big time world beater elite type of fighter. The only really good guy, and at that time, he wasn't considered elite on his resume, is Gary Russell. So, exactly. And, and, Motherfuckers are going crazy over this dude, and it's like, hold on. We need to get him in the ring with somebody that's actually elite and at their 100% uh, on their game. Then we can make that assumption. I mean, come on now, dog. It's, 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 it's common sense to me. And maybe because I've been breaking down fights for over two fucking decades, that's probably why it's common sense to me. But other motherfuckers that just jump on a bandwagon and they watch HBO and they watch highlights and shit, and they say Kovalev wins by landslide, and you tell them to break it down, and you get no response. Those type of motherfuckers, these are the ones you hear saying this shit about Lomachenko, man. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I, seen exactly. I, seen somebody, I seen somebody say that Triple G, Lomachenko, and Sergey Kovalev got the boxing game locked down, and I just started laughing because that's some bullshit. If I have seen some recently, I mean, man, I, I don't know what it is, man. I ain't going to say what, it is, what I think it is, but I mean... 2K, you, mean, 2K, you mentioned there were some fighters you thought that would give Lama some trouble, so no, we're going, going to uh, detail about you know, some Man, of the fighters you think I would that like... would give him. Um, one of the fighters I think off the top of the head, if he does the 135 jump, is, of course, Garcia and Dehan. They both give him trouble at 135. Of course, Easter Jr. at yeah. 135. These guys all give yep. him trouble. Um, but go well, ahead if you got uh, in the detail about some of the guys you thought. Well, yeah, you just took my biggest one. Easter Bunny, Richard Comey, uh, Jorge Linares, shit, Vladdy Cannon, that's at 135. Shit, at 130, you got um, uh, Takashi Miura will give him a little bit of trouble. You got Francisco Vargas might give him a little bit of trouble. I think Orlando Salido beats him, okay? Um, let's see, uh, Jose Pedraza, I don't like him very much. But he's a. Let me put it this way: he, given the style, he's fundamentally sound. He yeah, he's fundamentally sound enough to where he could counter Loma's shit. Yeah. Yeah, I'm saying, yeah, he just, the counter punching ability will give Loma a little bit of trouble. I think Loma would beat him, but that's an intriguing matchup. Shit, at 126, Carl Frampton, uh, Leo Santa Cruz. You know what I'm saying? Gary Russell. A lot of motherfuckers are like, I don't want to see a rematch. Because Lomachenko just steamrolled Gary Russell. Understandably so, but Gary Russell has, is doing a lot of things uh, differently that he did back when he was fighting uh, Vasil Lomachenko. There's a lot of things he doesn't do anymore uh, that was a disadvantage for him in that Lomachenko first fight. And he's actually looking better now. I want to see the rematch between those two. And then, of I course, at 122, my fucking Rigo. And then, and then they're calling out Terrence Crawford. Terrence Carver might stop this dude. Get the fuck out of here with that shit, man. No, I, want to I, want to Jorge I want to see Jorge Linares and um, Theoloma Tenko. <laughs> yeah. That's a good That'd fight a good right fight. there, yeah. 
Yeah, 135 yep. definitely needs to be his limit because I see him getting a lot of, star, I won't say stoppages, but I don't see him doing that much. Um, the only really other fight I want to see him at at 130 against is probably uh, these two fighters, Jezreel uh, Corrales, even though I know 2K probably going to oppose to that just because he said he a little bit too wild. Um, yep. Corrales, I know he would come to fight. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I'm like, uh, uh, you know, with his athleticism, and I know he's going to come to bring it. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. that fight right there. And the other fight that's intriguing to me is Tevin Farmer at 130. Oh, um, yeah. I keep forgetting um, about that nigga. Yep. Um, yep. Tevin Farmer, <laughs> he, I think he poses some interesting problems for Loma at 130, um, yep. for anybody at 130. Just like he's just so fucking well-rounded and diverse. He sparred with Loma, so I think he may have picked up a lot of things. Loma hasn't grown as a fighter if you've looked at him. Like no, he's he hasn't. The same. He, he's the same guy. Like, he's not – he hasn't grown. Um, a pressure fighter is going to get – are going to yep. be guys that give him the, the kind of uh, issues. Uh, the Marcos Maidana types that could pressure him. Or, uh, Anybody like I Like I said, or, or the Dehans, Vladikanen, you know, a yep. fighter like that, these are the guys that are going to give him problems throughout his career. Um, or yep. long-rangey guys, which he's going to be dealing with if he moves up to 135. They're all super longer and rangier and bigger than him. Um, Bro, I'm t- this time next year, man, when people gonna start be singing a, a different tone about Lomachenko. I mean, and he only, he's only he's Maybe. only had to, he's only had nine, well, seven, eight fights. So you know what I'm saying? Like, the, you know, top rank is definitely milking it for what it's worth. You know what I'm saying? For right now, they're getting what they can out of them. The way I look out of it, uh, the way I look at it. But they only bring all he, all he all he is fighting for is WBO belts. The way I look, you know, um, I look at it like it's been a, a selective process. You know, the big list, excuse me, um, it's been a selective process. Even with the, the the Roman Martinez fight, you know, like those these were like <clears> hand hand me give me fights. Yeah, like, the case, you know, was never more than a B a B fighter. Yeah, we, the exactly. fight we this weekend you know, could have been something so competitive if Top Rank or whatever the situation was. It's like this fight was a wasted fight. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it was. I mean, it's like the fight shouldn't have yeah. been made because it's bullshit. I mean, Walter, they, 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 you know what Walters has got is taking a lot of criticism. You know, in 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 hindsight, which I think is okay because you know he fucking quit. You know, he made a yeah. lot of different excuses. Hell yeah. after saying you know. After saying the eleven the eleven month layoff wouldn't play a factor, but you knew it would against a guy like Lomachenko. Like you just you just can't take that lightly, man. And to me, I'm like the fight I saw. It wasn't a fight to where I'm like Nicholas Walters couldn't have beat him if he was active. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I kind of I kind of agree to him there. I, I agree with him on that point. If he had been active this whole time, you know. um, I think he he puts up a whole lot better fight because the seventh fight was the seventh round was the only really big discrepancy in the fight. The rest of them was just Loma doing his amateur shit and pretty much pity patty smacking him. Yeah, it wasn't nothing important. And Nicholas is just his timing was off, you know. Um, 
Exactly. Everything was bad about that fight. I seen him inching in instead of using his range. You know, he was throwing the jab and looking good. I seen him go to the body a couple times and it looked good. Yeah, uppercut. He just like the fourth round. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't throw a lot. He he didn't throw the, the uppercut a lot, which has always been a, a signature punch of his. You know, which he uses yep. for time for timing. Um, he didn't do that a lot, which I know he could have caught Loma with from what I was seeing in the fight. Um, so he been it, 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 my, to, to further my support thing. Bernard's pr- further support Bernard's point. He said Loma only fights for WBO belt. A fight that I really want to see over any of the fights that I just named uh, against the fighters I just named, and he is a WBO champion at 126. Is Oscar Valdez. That fight could be made. He's with top rank. He's a WBO champion. Also, Lomachenko can can still make 126. They can make that fight, but I guarantee you they won't make it. I'll put my yeah, on. Yeah, and Valdez <laughs> actually, uh, they, have fought, they fought in the amateurs, I believe, and I believe that was one of Loma's toughest fights that he's even said um, in his yep. amateur ranks. So he gives Valdez, and Valdez is, a, a, is very improved. Um, compared to what we've seen uh, earlier in his career under Manuel Robles. Robles has got him doing the whole uh, pivoting and angling thing that we see Loma Chingo do. Um, so to see that match up together, that would be very impressive. Uh, Valdez is going on record saying he wants to fight Gary Russell because he feels like that's the, the real guy at 126 as well. Um, yep. So, um yeah. Did you guys uh, mention um I just I'm sorry I just came back. Did you guys mention Jorge Linares? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cuz I know I had Judge that they're going to come for Lomachenko. But, you know, he, Robert, Robert, yeah. Robert Easter at 135, Lomachenko wants no piece of him there. Yeah, they hide him I think, I, I, think, I think Mikey Garcia, you know, he could fight a pressure style when he has to. Yeah, he's, 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 he's much good at that boring play. That's a fight uh, I want to see. Now, I, I need Gamboa to get, like, three fights, though. That's a mm-hmm. fucking intriguing fight. And I remember they were talking about that fight uh, months back, uh, Lomachenko versus Gamboa. That's an excellent fucking fight if we can get Gamboa at 100%, bro. Because Gamboa, Gamboa's style is another um, – uh, he, he, he has another style that can actually trouble someone like a Lomachenko, especially a Lomachenko that I've seen against Walters. Absolutely. Got it all. Oh yeah. Oh, got it all. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's a great fight. Top rankings, man. He, Bob, and wait for a lot of fights to fucking. What do you? What do you? There, there's some so basically, basically, we, 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 we put out some good fights out there for Chinga For y'all saying that he's invincible, you know, saying he's not. You know, saying we're we're not saying anything bad. I know y'all gonna try and label us the Eastern blockaders based on uh. What we said about <laughs> Kovalev tonight and Lomachenko. Nah, it ain't no, it ain't nothing like that. You know what I'm saying? But but we 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 fair in our courtesy in, in our analysis. You know what I'm saying? Lomachenko is definitely a top ten pound for pound talent. I now, give him. Hold down. on for a second, man. Hold on, hold on. I I, I gotta ask this shit. For anybody that wants to say that, did we did we say that Lomachenko is a hype job? Did we say no. that Lomachenko is completely over fucking rated? No. Nope. So, nope. so, so I, I just want to say for anybody that say that, we didn't use the cold words that you motherfuckers like use for our fighters. We didn't use them cold words. We didn't say right. We didn't say you know. We didn't use the cold words that y'all like using when it comes uh, you know to, to to the fighters that we like because of their style. 
Let me let, let me say it that way so won't nobody get the wrong stupid ass fucking idea if I say our fighters. <laughs> hey, they gonna they gonna form their opinions regardless of what we say. So I ain't, ain't no need to you entertain it. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're right, man. You know what I'm saying? But I just, I just wanted to put it out there. It ain't nothing like that. Like we got to hate against the Europe block, the Eastern Europe block fighters or nothing like that. It, it, it ain't nothing like that. We just try to be open and fair in our criticism and what we see. Um, like I said, I, I think I see things differently than most of the people I talk to in fights all the time. And like these, this is probably the only group of guys that I might be able to come into to a common consensus with for the most part when we analyze fights. So to me to have that common ground with people compared to most of the I won't say casuals because I won't say everybody is, but compared to a lot of the groups I'm in and <laughs> some of the things I see them say, I'm like, okay, I mean, yeah, but I definitely need that grounding, you know, um, just to know that I'm not, like, too fucking far off the wall in my thoughts, you know what I'm saying? So, you know what I'm saying? It is good to have that here with the fellas, the big up guys, um, that said, we're going to go into our UOENO segment of the day. Um, on this day in 1980, we had uh, the late, great uh, Matthew Saad Muhammad. He knocked out Lottie Mawale in my hometown of San Diego, California, to retain his WBC light heavyweight title. Uh, rest in peace to uh, Matthew Saad Muhammad, you know what I'm saying, one of the greatest light heavyweight fighters ever. Um, you know what I'm saying? With that said, we're going to move along. Um, well, we, I guess we got our our uh, our final blow segment coming up today. And to cover that one, we got 2K. Uh, what you got for us today, man? Uh, well, I got much to say, man. We we pretty much covered a lot. I mean, it's, the, the one thing I just want people to remember is that um, when we have excellent matchups in boxing, um, Obviously, there's going to be a lot of emotion um, surrounding the fight. I mean, you've got people, real boxing enthusiasts like myself and the people on this panel who uh, we don't favor one fighter because we're emotionally attached. Um, We actually favor a fighter based on his style compared to the other fighter's style. We break down the fights, we compare and contrast, and we come to a logical conclusion for why fighter A will be fighter B. Um, but the majority of a lot of the emotion that's surrounding fights in boxing is because of, number one, what I always see all over social media, and a lot of people like to put a blanket on top of it and try to cover it up, race. Race is always the number one thing that is the driving force for the emotion that is surrounding a boxing match. If you've got a white fighter versus a black fighter, it doesn't even have to be you know, Russian, uh, Mexican, anything like that. If there's a white fighter versus a black fighter or any other fighter that's not black versus a black fighter, race always gets pulled in. I don't know why the fuck it's like that, but it is what it is, okay? And then the other thing is fighters just love certain boxers no matter what. I mean, you can love a boxer but still be real with yourself if if you have the ability to break down fights and analyze styles, okay? But a lot of these guys out here, they don't know how to do that. And that's my biggest thing. That's why I'm not active in a lot of these groups. I see all your fucking posts out there, but I don't comment because I know your ability. 
I've been around these, these groups for years. And so I see a lot of the same motherfuckers in a lot of different groups all over different social media websites, and you're regurgitating the same information that you hear somebody else say. I never hear nothing from you. So if I don't, if you don't see me commenting on shit, it's because I don't respect your fucking opinion because you can't break down a fight, plain and simple. Boxing one-on-one. Boxing analysis one-on-one. Break down a fight. You can't do that. See, so you have no opinion. And so, and that's the problem with a lot of these guys, man. So what I, what I, I urge people to do, just take this away from, from what I'm saying. Before you say anything about matchups and boxing, right, break the fight down. Develop, even if you can't do it well, you'll, you'll get better with time. Try to break the fight down. Watch some films, study some tape. That's what the fighters do whenever they're getting ready to fight an opponent. They don't just hop in the ring, regardless of what they tell you. They don't just hop in the ring. They always watch tape. Floyd Mayweather always watched tape. I'm sure Sergey Kovalev watched tapes on Andre Ward because he knew to jab downward at Andre Ward when he was dipping and coming in. He, he nullifies pretty much Andre Ward's inside attack for the majority of the fight. So I'm pretty sure he watched tape on Andre Ward. So you should do the same thing before you come to a conclusion for why you think this fighter, uh, fighter A beats fighter B. On top of that, cherish the matchups we get because boxing is now a fucking business. It's about 99.99 with a little bar on top of the last nine, meaning infinite nines <laughs> of fucking business, okay? So when we do get these matchups that we want to see, we need to cherish it, and we do not need to put shade on the decision just because your favorite fighter didn't get the fucking nod. That's all I got to say about that, man. We'll see it. I definitely agree. I definitely agree, man. Um, with, with your last point being said, with your fighter not getting the nod, we've seen that uh, more recently with this war Kovalev fight. It's caused a lot of a heated debate over the past week or so um, as far as it being considered a robbery and whatnot. Furthest thing from that, we've seen robberies in boxing, and trust me, this wasn't anything close to that. Um, but we've seen it in, spark some heated debate. So, you know, you guys need to lay off, you know, chill, you know what I'm saying, and, you know, analyze the fights like TK said, man. Really go back and analyze these things and see the fall off in Kovalev in the second half of that fight. See him hesitant. To pull, you know, see him pulling his punches like you've never seen him do, and you Most know, people, you know, and, and and you know this is a different Kovalev you're seeing in the ring. You're you're seeing him in there against a mastermind, you know. You're seeing him in there being, you know, outthinking himself, you know, being pushed to his mental limits. You know, these are things that you got to be able to pick up on analyzing yourself because they're not going to do it on HBO for you. Um, Sky Sports, I think they do a good job. Like I said, I'm glad uh, Paulie's joined their team, and he was actually on their uh, on that actual uh, team for that night. You know, I didn't get to hear oh. it because, of course, me and Bernard were there live. But um, like I'm glad he's there. You know, with Sky Sports to give them that kind of analysis to hear TK and them. You know, and the guys say, you know, follow up and say. You know, they were pinpointing on the money and what they were saying. That lets me know because I listen to Sky Sports when I'm streaming for the most part. You know, uh, when I'm not at these uh, fights live, I watch Sky Sports. 
So that lets me know they're on point and they're staying consistent in their ways. American media, we got to do better, man. We got to do better. Even in the Lomachenko coverage, everything else, we just got to be more accurate in what we're putting out there. Put all, put out everything. Be professional. You know. Yeah, I, I just think put out all plausible theories, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, um, that when you know there, there's something that just doesn't seem right about something, put it out there, you know, because there's just some, there's certain things that did not seem right about that Walters-Lomachenko fight. Bo pinpointed so many of them, so big up to him on that. He put a lot of it out there. Um, there's just a lot of things that didn't seem right about that fight. And, you know, like I said, I, 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 would, I wouldn't mind seeing a rematch of it sometime down the line when Walters gets his shit together. Um, yeah, it's starting to turn into the, the winky, I won't say the winky right school of business, but it's turning into a, a bad school of business for Walters right now, you know, just based off of the, the, this this past year for him. So he needs to get that man. corrected. Um, like I said, he, he shouldn't have resigned with top rank. Um, that that was bad decision number one. So, you know, I don't know what the, what the status of this contract is, but, you know, um, we'll, we'll be paying attention to that moving forward. Um, what what fights we got coming up with, uh, for the rest of this year, fellas? We got Jay Charlo, Charlo. Charlo and J-Rock coming up. Yeah. That's the one I'm yeah. the no, big no, one. one. That, that's the definite big one. We got uh, Mira Gassia versus Dennis Lebedev coming up. Um, so, yeah, we, we gotta, uh, Barrera. Okay, so we we got a couple of big fights coming up to, to, to round out the rest of this year, man, and we're we going to be speaking on those coming up. Uh, I think Mira Gassiev is next week. Um, and yeah. then after that, then the week after that is going to be Jerry Rock and Charlo right on December 10th. So we got those coming up. We got Quayar Mares. We got B-Hop and uh, Joe Smith Jr. Um, man. Man, we, we got a lot of good stuff coming up. Yeah, we got interesting stuff coming up the rest of the year, man, for for boxing. So, like I said, fighting is a year-round sport. That that's the good thing about boxing is year-round. There ain't no breaks. There ain't no summers and shit like that. And time off like with the other sports, we we get shit year-round. You know, November good month, fight of the year candidates. December. Good fights to top off the year. That's it, man. We gonna we gonna end this uh, show um, for my co-hosts. You know, we got Bone Bernard of the Truth and Facts About Boxing. Uh, we got Big Cool from Colossal Boxing Talk. We got TK from the Guys of Boxing Talk, and I am Twan Liberty from Poopjab.com. Together, we are the movement. Peace. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.